Pot of gold. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Ramble by the River. I'm your host on the coast who loves sourdough toast, Jeff Nesbitt, and we've got a great show for you today. It's back to school week. Everybody's excited about going back to school. I know I am. Shout out to all my teachers out there, my wife included. Going back into the war zone, getting ready to do it all again. And shout out to all my students out there heading back to that birthplace of thought, the womb of ideas, academia. I always really liked uh, going back to school at the end of the summer. I just like variety, I like change. By the time summer's over, I'm ready for it to be over. And then by the time school's wrapping up at the end of June, I'm ready for that too. I just like things to keep shifting. Shifting sands under our feet. I hope everybody out there is ready for summer to be over, heading back to school, get your school clothes, get your pencils sharpened. It's time to learn. A few weeks ago, I got contacted by a friend of mine who heard one of the episodes and was kind of offended by something I said about teachers. I'm not gonna get into what I said, it doesn't matter. It wasn't meant to be offensive, it was just a joke. But I, I made a comment about men and being teachers and joking about how men are dangerous, men commit all the crimes, and men are just generally creepier than women, and for that reason, they should do other jobs. And That was a joke, 100% a joke. I was almost a teacher myself. I really love all teachers. Not a problem with male teachers at all. I do have a problem with pedophiles. That I do have a problem with. So if you're a pedophile, don't become a teacher. I'm against it. But as far as men being teachers, all for it. Just like women, equality is always a good thing. And I think men have a lot to offer as educators. Teachers are my favorite people, hands down. I love them, I always have. I have no ill will towards teachers whatsoever, regardless of their gender or their sex. So I just wanted to clear that up, just in case there was any confusion because I'd hate for there to be confusion. To me, every week is Teacher Appreciation Week. Our guest on the podcast today is in fact a teacher, an art teacher, and um, well, I'll get into that in a minute. You can check out Ramble by the River on social media by going to at Ramble by the River on Facebook and Instagram and at Ramble River Pod on Twitter. We've been posting lots of good content, so go ahead and check that out and give us a like or a follow if you don't mind. Ramble by the River is made possible by the generous support of our listeners. There's a good chance that you're listening to this on a free service like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and that's great. I encourage you to keep doing that. The reason you're able to do that for free is because of our Patreon subscribers. Patreon subscribers are the lifeblood of this organization. They are the people who found that this show is able to provide some value to their life, whether that be a sense of community, some thought-provoking discussions, or just a few laughs and they were willing to contribute a small amount of money in order to keep this show going. As a Patreon subscriber, you will receive instant access to the Patreon channel with all of the Ramble by the River exclusives. This includes behind the scenes updates, early access to every one of the free episodes of Ramble by the River, and access to Ramble on the Road, the companion podcast to Ramble by the River, available exclusively to paid subscribers through Patreon. If you're curious about becoming a member, 
but you're not quite ready to pull the trigger, go ahead and check out the sneak peek episode of Ramble on the Road that I posted last week. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all those other services. It's called Lucy the Trans Rooster and Other Foul Anecdotes. And it's from the exclusive series that's only available, usually only available to Patreon subscribers. But I did put one episode out for free just so people can check it out. So if you've liked the free episodes, and especially if you like that sneak peek of Ramble on the Road, you're going to love the extras that come along with this Patreon subscription. So head on over to ramblebytheriver.com, click the subscribe link at the top of the page, and that will take you straight to Patreon where you can select your subscription tier and get listening right away. As a thank you for signing up, new Royal Ramblers will receive a free Ramble by the River t-shirt after their third month. So if you're ready to join an elite community of like-minded individuals, go to ramblebytheriver.com and click subscribe at the top of the page. And as always, please help us to expand the reach of Ramble by the River by liking and following us on social media, leaving a rating or a review on a podcast player, or simply by mentioning the show to a friend. I appreciate each and every one of you just for listening. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. My guest today is Kelly Hughes Ham. Kelly is a longtime educator, an artist, a mom, a labor organizer, an activist, a great conversationalist, and she is running for state representative. Today you will get to hear us discuss a wide variety of topics surrounding education, the political divide currently growing in the United States, and we get some of the captivating details of Kelly's ancestral history in the lower Columbia region. Kelly was actually a teacher of mine in high school, and we did not get along. In fact, she was one of the few teachers that I would have said was straight up an enemy of mine after high school. Basically, there was a mistake. I misinterpreted the mistake as malicious, and I kind of uh, verbally you know, just jumped all over her and made accusations that she was trying to sabotage my life, and she probably wasn't. We, we cover this in the show, and it, it is actually kind of awkward, but I was really happy to hear that my belief about what had happened was actually wrong this whole time. It was nice to be corrected in this instance. She did not have time for my shenanigans. And my shenanigans would not be ignored. I won't spoil it, but in the end, there were some words exchanged. Heated ones. And we decided that I should probably find another mentor for my senior project. And I did. And that was the end of our relationship, basically, in my youth. A decade later, I'm dating a teacher from the same district, and wouldn't you know it, Kelly still works there. I'm not positive about this part, but I believe that Kelly warned Melissa about me. She told her I was bad news. A bad egg. A bad apple that was bound to spoil the whole bunch. So Melissa had to reassure her that I had matured since high school, and Kelly slowly and hesitantly warmed up to me. By the time me and Melissa got married... All the hatchets had been buried, and I came to know what a delightful person Kelly is, and may have always been. I was thrilled when I heard she was running for office. She's perfect for it. I genuinely believe that she'll be great at this job. She cares about people. She cares about issues in a very real way. She's educated. She does her research. She's going to be really good. And as you'll soon hear, she's funny too. After this conversation, I'm even more confident that she will be a great state representative. Anyway, enough rambling from me. All right, guys, get out there today and do some good in the world. Hug your kids, tell your wife she's pretty, spay and neuter your pets, and of course, never stop rambling. Without further ado, please enjoy this podcast with the sweet and salty Kelly Hughes Ham. I'm free. 
fuck? <laughs> That's a better spot. Most sound checks uh, end with an oh fuck. <sighs> the table's very light. <laughs> it's a work in progress. I like the paint it job. It is. Thank you. That's cool. Oh. Did Kelsey do that? Kelsey did that. She's amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. It is exactly the logo it is. I sent her, the graphic. Wow. Okay. All right. Sweet. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome to the show, everybody. <clears throat> Joining me today is Kelly Hughes Ham, also known as Kelly Schimmelfinnig at certain times. Yep. And anything else? Uh, Miss Shimmy. Miss Shimmy. To a lot of one. your listeners, I think. That's um, right. So, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful afternoon, and we're here just to have a little chat. Nice. So I hear you're running for office. I am running for office. And um, what's been cool about it is that I'm learning all sorts of things that I didn't know before, which has been a neat process. But I'm also wondering, you know, well, okay. So I got into it because I don't think that anyone should run unopposed, right? I mean, our democracy is founded on the very nature that you have people to choose from for your leaders, right? Um, so I saw this guy was running unopposed, not a big fan of him. Um, so I contacted some people and said, is there anybody who's thinking of running? And they're like, no, nobody wants to run against this guy. So I said, okay, cool. I'll throw my name in the ring. So initially it was just kind of um, something I wanted to do to just make sure that this person didn't think that he could run unopposed. But now after talking to people and being, I've traveled all over the LD and it's big. Um, I haven't made it up to Lewis County yet, but um, I really want this and I think I'd be really good at it. So I'm glad that I'm running. I guess. So you started doing it out of obligation and you're realizing yeah. that this might be something you actually feel called to do and you feel yeah. like you're going to be good at it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would really be good at it. Um, I like talking to people. Um, I like stories. I like hearing people's stories. And I think that's a huge part of this is, um, you know, being at the legislature, you're essentially representing a big group of people. And if you don't know who those people are, you can't represent them. And that's what I'm hearing about the incumbent is that he really doesn't um, want to do the work. He He's kind of of the mind that, and I know a lot of people feel this way, and it's for very complicated reasons that um, government shouldn't work, right? They want small yeah. government. Um, and, the Ron you know, Swansons. The Ron Swansons, absolutely. But not like with the cute breakfast food talk. Yeah, you know? yeah. Which is a bummer um, because that's the best part. Um, yeah, the anti-government part is kind of a bummer. It is a bummer. And I get it. I do get it because government has failed on so many levels, um, being a teacher and you being married to a teacher. That's why it's funny. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> so um, but also another reason why I ran <clears throat> is um you being married to a teacher, you'll probably get a lot of this, um, is that when you're within a system that doesn't necessarily function well, that has a lot of very complicated reasons why it doesn't function well, whether that be, you know, misogyny in the, you know, the fact that most teachers are women, it's a long, long story there, but also just kind of, um, 
systemic issues coming from like lack of funding, from people's perceptions of public schooling. And I get it. A lot of people in this area had really negative experiences with public schools. It depends on how you look at it, really. Right. I I, I agree. But yeah. Um, But you get out of it what you put into it a lot of the time. Exactly. And that's the problem is, though, you know, a lot of people who don't have anything to put into it, like maybe their family doesn't support them necessarily. It's it's really complicated. But then, you know, you see these kids that have a lot piled against them that do really well. Anyway, that's that's beside the point. But. You know, that is a good, that's an interesting topic though. It the, is. The fact it's, that, wh- why is that? Why are those, those kids that just, they have some kind of a, a drive, a grit. Yeah, exactly. They, they just make it. Yeah. Yeah. No, one of my best friends from high school was like that. She, um, she had a really rough hand dealt to her and she, you know, went into the army, got into intelligence. I mean, she, and now she's a kick-ass woman, but, um, you know. But then other people who had maybe a better situation didn't succeed as much. It's just... It's almost like you need that perfect amount of resistance to yeah. push up against and build the right tools oh, and then she had it. carry them through over to the next chapter. Totally. No, without I... letting the old stuff break you. Exactly. It's a balancing act. Yeah, you for sure. Really, it's like a balancing act and a juggling act at the same time. Yes, very much juggling. Um, so anyway, systemic issues. Um, you know, and seeing how teachers have kind of been been treated the last few years. I mean, we've always kind of been treated that way, but I think what the COVID situation did for us is really exposed how teaching is really not a, it's not an easy job. We all knew that, but it's also not a very respected job, even though a lot of people like to say, oh, bless you for what you do. Especially when I tell people I I teach high school, like, are you crazy? Like, no, actually, I think it's a lot easier than kindergarten, but <laughs> yeah, I could never Who do knows, that. Really, I, I, it's all hard. I don't know that any of it's easy, yeah. but I do know what you're talking about. I see a lot of empty intentions, like mm-hmm. kind of like the hopes and prayers that people send after disasters. But um, yeah. that's what teachers get for compensation a lot of the time. Yep. It, we, oh, wow. We clap for you. That's amazing. Um, you go out of your way to do things for kids. Not going to pay you a livable wage everywhere in the country or anything right. like that. We're, we're actually fairly lucky we here. We are great. But and uh, I think it's not like that everywhere. That's due to strong unions. I was just going to ask a, about that. Are you huge, pro-union? Oh, yeah. No, I've grown up um, pro-union. My grandpa was, he worked at the Aberdeen Sawmill. This is a story I like to tell. Um, the Aberdeen Sawmill, I can't remember what year it was. It was probably in the late 50s, early 60s when they went on strike. And my grandpa would not cross the picket line. He was, you know, dyed in the wool union. Um, so he and my grandma, they picked blackberries and like sold fireworks that summer wow. to to provide for the, they had four girls. So, um yeah, I'm very pro-union. I'm active in the union, which isn't always a fun job. Um, <laughs> Probably not all that often is it fun. No, it's not fun, but it's important. Um, Do they pay you extra for that? I hope they pay you. No. No, there's no stipend for that. Oh, my God. No That's wonder okay, you're running though. for office. You must <laughs> actually care about stuff. I know. It's it's really exhausting that to care. That is a lot of work to do something like that. Just the mental, extra mental calories you're burning. Yeah, it's it's I mean, we we had a contract bargaining um, happened this this spring, and I think we're still kind of in the middle out of it. It's uh, it's uh, it's kind of a messy, but um, 
unions are there to protect everyone, whether that be the good teachers, whether that be the not so good teachers. Um, so I think it can get kind of a bad, um, bad PR. Cuts both ways. It cuts both ways. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, as a building rep, which I'm stepping down this year just because I'm, you know, kind of trying to whittle away at some obligations as, as I run for office. But um, as a building rep, you know, you have to represent people who maybe you don't exactly think that they're in the right, but it's part of the process. So we got to do it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so, um, oh, I think the point I was trying to get to. This I have a question happened. that's burning, burning. Oh, okay, go for it. I just want it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I heard you uh, mention that your relatives were selling fireworks. Yeah. Does that mean there's some kind of a tribal connection? You know, I don't know how he got the fireworks, but yes, my that is my grandpa where I have descended from the Chinook Indians. Cool. Um, yeah, it's not just the Chinook, though. It's um, My lineage is pretty, like, it's crazy because... You know, as a kid, I always knew that we were descended from indigenous people. I didn't realize it was the Chinook tribe, which having grown up in Chinook, how crazy. That's that, amazing. Yeah, it really is. And it kind of describes that deep connection I've always felt toward this place and coming home to teach here and stuff. But um, apparently we also have um, cowlets. So um, I had a lot of ancestors that lived in the Scamacaway, Kathlamet area, um, I actually just talked to a gentleman whose mom, Julia Butler Hansen, who was a um, U.S. representative from Kathlamet. Um, of the Julia Butler Hansen Wildlife Refuge. Exactly. Yes. Um, I used to work out there. Did you really? Yeah, it's a oh, beautiful man. place. Well, and I learned more about her. How incredible. Um, you know, JFK flew out and like met her at her house to, to try to convince her to run for Congress. So. I don't really know her whole story. What? So she was... So she was a state representative. Um, and at that time, I want to say it was the 20th LD. Uh, you know, it gets... It gets messed up every 10 years. So, you know, the legislative districts. Um, so she was running. She ran for that office. I believe she served like 18 years. Um, and then I, I'm probably getting this wrong. Then JFK came out and like with his guys and convinced her to run for U.S. Wow. And she so, won. And she won. And yeah. then did a bunch of time there, too. I believe so. Yeah. So I'm... Um, there's a book about her that I'm going to be reading because I think I just found my new hero. Um, I really didn't know much about her, but apparently she knew my great grandma, Sarah mm. Scarborough. So that's the interesting thing is um, the, the indigenous stuff. Um, Captain John Scarborough, who or James, James Scarborough. Anyway, he wasn't a great guy. Apparently. If you just want to say them both, I'll look yeah. it up and then cut out the wrong one. <laughs> awesome. Um, so he came out here on a ship. And Chief Comcomly of the Chinook tribe, he was kind of their leader, um, and especially like the guy that would need like the trade ships and stuff, um, because the Chinook were very much a trading tribe. That's what they did. Um, he had a daughter named Pally, who they actually changed her name to Anne Elizabeth, and they had a son together and they got married. Not sure which order that was. It's really hard to find... Um, documents as to that um i always wonder what the nature of the relationship was initially um but that's where i come from wow that's pretty cool it is cool and it's it's complicated you know because you you do you wonder if it was 
if it was something she wanted or if it wasn't or really hard to know. She's the one person I would go back and talk to Mm -hmm. if I could. That's something I look I when I'm looking back through history, almost every time you look at a story, it it, most of the major events happened with some very questionable moral acts from people that sometimes we celebrate. It's it's really hard to 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 not do that and be kind of like a historical relativist and be like, well, you know what, yeah. that's the times that were, right. they were operating in. You have no other choice. Otherwise, no. uh, we will go nowhere and we'll just no. spend the rest of eternity just chastising ourselves for the yeah. sins of our fathers. Mired in sadness. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, it's you're right. I mean, it's important to look back and see that stuff and understand what caused things to happen the way they did. But at the same time, you also have to move forward with intention and not repeat mistakes that's the key yep is a not repeat mistakes yes exactly yeah so that must make you feel pretty connected to this area very much so i i can imagine why that would be really feel like a very personal thing running Mm -hmm. running for office do you do you see it being like a, a career that takes you i mean assuming you get the job and you're are you willing to put in the next 20 years like yeah doing that thing wow yeah i'd like to do that um and it's something i've always um and i i go back to my high school experience at owako high school you know it wasn't the best place to be back then you know a lot of my friends who are lgbtqia community they were not out when i was there um it was a dangerous place to be if you were different um you know that experience didn't really give me a grounding of figuring out what I wanted to do. I went to school as a geology major. That's what I started out as. Rocks are dope, though. Rocks are super dope. I and love rocks. It's I could really rock. I could talk rocks, about rocks, rocks for about hours rocks. and hours and hours. So um, yeah, I'll we'll, spare. We'll get into rocks okay. after we cover the Good. politics. Good. Yes. Oh yeah. No, it's. <laughs> oh, okay, I'll save my rock story from the the Washington D.C. Are your kids into rocks? They're kind of into rocks, but in the same Someday. way that you know somebody who's really into something, and then their kids are kind of like. <sighs> Again? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My love for rocks, mushrooms, plants didn't yes. really hit until I was a teenager. Isn't like, that crazy? I just liked to play with stuff. I didn't yes. care about the details about it when I was no. a little kid. Like, who cares? This, yeah. uh, I'm already, I'm involved with this. I'm, play, I'm kicking <laughs> these mushrooms, you know, I'm climbing these trees. I don't even right. know what you call them. Right. But then I all of a sudden cared a lot. Yeah. And I just absorbed all of it. I, and I still love it. Well, and you growing up in this place, mm-hmm. the, I mean, we have such an incredibly diverse well biodiversity around here and you know even out in my woods i never know what mushrooms are going to crop up every that year that hillside is full of biodiversity it's incredible That's a great spot yeah i mean there were um apparently there were chicken of the woods um at one point um but i haven't found them again you know i found a violet court oh. have you ever seen those no. the pur- yeah found a violet court right next to some blue cup stained fungus mm. um and it was just like this is here. This is this is thirty feet from my front door. You yeah. know. Anyway, so I could. I do find that stuff amazing. Yeah. Uh, we get these mushrooms in our front yard by our like. I think they're symbiotic with our oak trees. Sure. Oak trees. I mean, um, and they look like a truffle, but I think it's like a false truffle. There's like a really hard mushroom uh, ball. It almost looks like a puff ball, but it grows like really close to the ground. Really. And they're very hard, and you cut them open, and they're like black and dotted in the middle. They're kind of cool. Whoa. I throw them at trees and that's a lot of fun, but uh, <laughs> they explode and now we have a lot of them. 
uh, I'm probably helping them out. I'm sure you are. I remember thinking that as a kid. Uh, people always giving me shit about kicking mushrooms. I, I like to destroy things. I think it's fun. It is fun. And, um, <laughs> and so I, I would, you know, throw apples at a tree, you know, throw yeah. mushrooms at a tree and um, come to realize later you're only helping out. You're only exactly. helping out. You're the fir- first step in nature reabsorbing that stuff. Yeah. I mean, what kicked them before? You know, you had elk coming through, kicking them. And- yeah, exactly. You're yeah. just part of a bigger system. Exactly. Of kicking mushrooms. Is environmental <laughs> awareness and just, is there, do you have any kind of environmental arm to your platform? I do. Um, and it's, it's, it's nuanced, just like everything in, in politics and government should be. Um, we can't move forward on climate change unless we involve the people in our natural resources industries. Um, you know, we have to do something. We have to do really strong, fast things to combat climate change. But we also can't leave people in the dust in our, I mean, especially in this area, we have a big timber industry that, you know, frankly, they need to be brought along. Um, We have our, you know, uh, granted, we don't really have hydroelectric power here in the LD, but we, we use it. Um, You know, you can't just yank out a dam without having a contingency plan for Have how you, to replace that. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, that's I almost okay. interrupted you. I'm, please. No, please on. interrupt. <laughs> Have you been following Lake Mead and what's going on with Lake Mead? Yes. It's that like is terrifying. Empty. It's super empty. And I've, I visited there. I've been there twice. Um, the first time it was fine. This was back in maybe it was my 21st birthday because my family does this thing where they take everybody to Vegas on their 21st birthday, right? You know, family tradition. Um, so that would have been probably 97. Um, full lake, beautiful. Went back about three years ago, lower. But now seeing the pictures now, it's terrifying. Yeah, it's like empty. Yeah. There's there's not a lot of water in there. Yeah. And I, I keep seeing things about if Hoover Dam fails, the, how catastrophic the, consequ- the consequences would be. Yeah. It's, it's millions and millions of people would be out of power. Yep. And they're all going to leave and go north and east. Yes. And maybe northeast even. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, I mean, we, I think we've already seen a lot of climate change refugees coming up here with the influx of people from California who are Look at the real estate boom. Oh, my gosh. It's huge. Um, you know, there was at one point um, where I kind of considered wanting to move back to Chinook, you know, because it's where I grew up. I love I mean, sidewalks, first of all. Yeah. I mean, for, as far as a peninsula goes, that's pretty bougie. Sidewalks I are love super the sidewalks. bougie. Yeah. They're great. Yeah. yeah. And it was an awesome place to grow up. I mean, my brother and I basically, um, I have a brother that's about 15 months younger than I am. So like Irish twins, even though we're not Irish. Um, we grew up basically just riding our bikes down to the docks and hanging out down there all day. I don't think kids could get away with that now, but, you know, go digging through the gut bucket and yeah, get I the... Yeah, my kids. Yeah. I remember going down there uh, with my brother when we were probably before we were 10 yeah. and playing in all, we called them the tar pits, but it was like the dredge spoils. <laughs> it's the dredge spoils. My brother totally got stuck. Yeah, in so that did mine. <laughs> <laughs> did you just leave him there? No, I, I think I you got him out. Him? I okay, hope I got good. him out. I don't remember that part of the story, but I <laughs> hope Jake. I did. Yeah, poor Jake. <laughs> but yeah, I remember. And then I, I forgot about it for years. And then I thought about it as uh, an adult. And I was like, that was a dream. There's no tar pits in Chinook. 
And then, uh, but it, there's sure something enough. from time to time that <laughs> yep. it gets pretty tar pity out there. Yeah. When they're running the dredge, it's, it's, it's dangerous. Honestly, yeah. it's like a, it's, you know how, um, I think Gen Xers always talk about how we were terrified of quicksand, right? Yeah, because that's what it is. yeah, it's essentially quicksand. So, I mean, I legit had a reason for being terrified of quicksand. Absolutely. Um, but no, I remember having to pull my brother out and his boots stayed in the, yeah. have you ever been out walking in the mud flats in Willapa Bay? You know, I don't know. My grandparents had a house on the bay, about 176th Street. Okay. Um, beautiful place to grow up. I still kick myself that my, our family didn't buy the house, um, although some really nice people live there now. Um, but I, You can feel like that about any house on the peninsula now. Right. It's like, oh, why didn't I buy that 10 years ago? Seriously. Because they're all twice as much, worth twice as much now. It's insane. Um Although my house, mm, not so much, but um, it's it's appreciated a little bit. But manufactured homes don't get. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I, I don't understand any of that. How that I works. don't either. I just you know. I, it seems like those are built a lot better than they used to be. There's uh, that thing's tight. Yeah, I like, bet. Energy efficiency. Talk about yeah. Yeah, they're warm and quiet and yeah. cozy. Love it. So much better than the ones from, you know, 70s and 60s and 70s. Yes. The tin can ones. Those yes. were not great. No, they were not a good thing. Yeah. Um, anyway. over. Boy, where was I? Oh. Uh, COVID uh, brain's a thing. Oh, for sure. It is totally a thing. I've had it for years. Yeah. <laughs> I never even got COVID. <laughs> no, it's funny how... Um, anyway, no, we won't get into COVID, but... Um, we recovered about three days before we went on our, um, I don't know if you know, we, we did a two-week northeastern road trip, um, my family. So so my, northeastern, where were you headed? We went to Philadelphia, flew in there, rented a car, drove up to Boston, have friends up there. So we stayed there for, for a few days um, and then drove into New York. Not my favorite place in the world, got to say. Um, and then into D.C. and we flew home from D.C., and well, that is a pretty big trip. It was a great trip, but um, my husband and I were both still kind of recovering from COVID. So the nice thing is, I think, because the weather was so hot and everything, we could get away with not, like, completely pushing ourselves every day. Um, yeah. We still saw a lot of stuff, but anyway. <laughs> it's it's hard to really hammer a vacation anymore when you don't know what if you're going to have to have the right mask requirements or yeah. have to just deal with hassles that you didn't used to have to deal with. It's, exactly. It's a little weirder than it used to be. It's still it fun was. though. There's less people around at some stuff. It's kind of It was cool. super fun. Yeah, actually, um, in, I found everybody in the cities to be delightful. I mean, really cool people. Um, my only beef was with New York was, um, number one, it's terrifying driving in Manhattan. It looks I, like it. I'm going to say that right now. I mean, I did it and, you know, built new connections in my brain. That's good. Stress does that. Um, but um, the people were super nice, but it was just not enough space. Yeah. Um, everything was small. Um, our hotel room was small. Um, and it, this is making me sound like a snob. No, it's making New York but, seem like it's not as good as the snobs say it is. Yeah, maybe. I think that's the thing. <laughs> that's is, really, I think, what the deal is. Who wants yeah. to stay in a tiny room in a loud place? That sounds right. awful to me. Yeah, and that's the thing is, you know... All of us, I think, got a little overstimulated. And that was, you know, living in the woods does that to you. You have that yeah. sense of, you have that, you know, I talked about room tone earlier. Your yep. room tone is really low. And it and has quiet. nice little chirps and tweets in yes. it. Yes. And yes. buzzes, if you're lucky. Yes, exactly. So, 
anyway, it was uh, it was important to do it. Um, I mean, seeing the Statue of Liberty, going to Ellis Island was incredible. I had That's pretty cool. no idea like the history of well, not the history, but like what immigrants went through in order to be deemed okay to come into the United States. It's a lot of tales of like utter heartbreak and having to go back to your home country. And yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I think those stories are so important because if we don't talk about them, people forget how good we have it. We like, really have it good. I know I'm a white man, so I, of all people, I know I have it great. <laughs> but I think everybody alive today has it a lot better than people have historically had it. So it's it's yeah, it's good to have perspective about that stuff. And um, definitely, I mean, it's good to also keep the ball rolling upwards. You know, yeah. trying to improve progress is sure always good. But yeah. Yeah, it's nice uh, Nice to live in this day and age. There's some really great parts about it. I agree. I think about, you know, some of the women in my family. I have I come from a long line of, this is going to be surprising, outspoken women. <laughs> I know, right? Um, that have, I can't even imagine them being outspoken at a time when they couldn't even vote. You know, things like that. It would have been scary. Yeah, seriously scary. I mean, it's scary enough to be a woman nowadays. Um, But I also feel incredibly empowered by the fact that their struggle has brought me to this place where I can run for office. And, um, you know, it's how far we've come. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It is very cool. Yeah. Do you have specific platform points that you are running on? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, the thing I was, I think I didn't even quite get to it, the the education issue. Um, one thing I want to change is the funding structure for education. Um, as you probably know, a lot of our money has to come from local sources, property taxes, um, bonds, levies, things where we have to essentially go begging to people who are already strapped for cash mm-hmm. um, to fund public schools, especially in our area where it's a lot of retired people who, you know, they still shocked me that they don't want to pay for schools. Uh, uh, it I doesn't don't... shock me as much anymore. Although a lot of them that I know are very staunch supporters of public schools, but then there's a whole bunch of That's people. That's why I'm shocked by it. Cause I, yeah. I mean, a lot of the older folks I know are like definitely supporters of, but I probably, right. because I know a lot of people through the schools. Maybe. Right. That's right. Uh, I guess it depends on how you know people, but for sure, um, it's just so shitty. I mean, we're living in a society here, guys. <laughs> we live in a society. We're Let's trying, live. at least. <laughs> yeah, it's it is interesting to me that, um, and I'm sure I know it gets blamed on you know the quote unquote boomers, but I Gen X is this way too. Being a Gen Xer, I see this as well. That there's this whole notion of I've got mine, um, you don't need yours, kind of thing. Um, I I was able to purchase a home for $24,000 on a minimum wage job. You should be able to do the same thing. What's wrong with you? Why aren't you working hard enough kind of thing? Um, don't see it's it. It's an easy ideology. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's easy. It's, yeah. And, you know, was that public schools that failed people that they didn't? I mean, because public schools are, say, I'm going to get political here, <laughs> which is good because I'm a political, political, political candidate. Um Schools are not designed to produce produce thinkers. Factory workers is what they're trying to make. Exactly. This is um, public schools are to support capitalism. And um, 
<laughs> so is there a world for these all these factory workers we're producing? Where are they going? Where, Where are they, they going? Doing? Where are the factories? They're on fans only or only only fans. fans. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't know it right off the tip of your tongue because then I'd be a little suspect. No, it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Although, you you know, it's been tempting at times, you know, be like, oh. It's a lucrative uh, revenue stream for a lot of people. Yeah, why not? To each their own. I (laughs) exactly got to do. Exactly. I don't I don't hold it against anybody. I respect the hustle. Yeah, it's no. But yeah, that's that's what I mean, though. The digital economy has become so important. Yes. And. It just has a major influence in people's lives now because yeah. there's just so fewer places to make money Yes, like, that aren't digital. Exactly. Even in education, a lot of that's digital now too. Right. Yeah, very much. No, there, um, you know, of course, I have my resume up on all the sites just in case, you know. Um, and most of the jobs that I get alerts for because I have, you know, for artist, illustrator, as well as teacher, most of it right now is either, you know, like, Um, user experience kind of stuff for, you know, video games, things like that, or remote teaching positions. Mm -hmm. There's really, everything is moving to, and it's, it's a lot of gig stuff too. It's a lot of contract work. It's not. That's, do you like that? I think that'd be nice, right? um, It would be nice, but the problem is a lot of the time that does not come with benefits. Oh yeah. So you are on the hook for, you know, for healthcare for your family. And so that's why consultant fees are so absorbent exorbitant yep because they've got to pay for benefits for their yeah it's crazy um there's actually an initiative that um i don't know how much traction it's gotten um outside of like the seattle area i don't want to be called a seattle style democrat um because that's something that the other side likes to say a lot what do you think that means i think what that means is that these people are more like they are they're seeing they're perceiving that the Dems care more about, um, quote unquote, political correctness than anything else, that they want to police language, that they want to, um, you know, basically shove different viewpoints down people's throats when I won't get into the religion aspect of it kind of goes both ways. But um, I agree. That's yeah, that's that's the part I hate about both of those groups. Yes. Is that is like, hey, just let me do what I'm going to do, please. Exactly. I'm not hurting anybody. No, I really don't care about, you know, I don't care what you think, you know, as long as you treat me with respect and acknowledge that your neighbor is just as important as you are. Yes. Um, and your beliefs are able to be whatever they want yeah. unless they infringe on the ability of someone else to hold theirs. You're darn right. And that's a big, like, it should be a rule for yeah. our, how society works. And it, up until, you know, a couple months ago, I thought that that was going to keep happening. But it's... That's so confusing to me. It's so scary. It's really scary. And I hate to admit fear. It, but, you know, when you have an activist court at the highest court, the highest court of the land is an activist court. You don't know what's going to happen. It's It's, you know... It's letting the fringe make the calls. And that's that's terrifying. Yeah, it is. It really is. It's just it's so it just seems so antithetical to what our our justice system is usually. Yeah, it's antithetical to the to the Constitution. Yeah, I don't know. It sucks. (laughs) It really sucks. Yeah. (laughs) I'm glad I'm glad there's people working on that. (laughs) Well, the thing is, um. I didn't realize, 
So right before the leak, the Roe v. Wade overturning the draft, right? When that was leaked. Which is definitely intentional. <laughs> Very intentional. Yeah. Um, that was when I decided to run for office. It's, it's actually before that happened. And then after that happened, then people are talking about, well, what this does is this just removes the ability for the federal government to tell the states what to do, right? States' rights. Which is good. Which is great. Federal, I mean, we're a, we're a, we are a Democrat or a um, democratic republic. So we, I mean, the states are, that. it's a good thing. I mean, it, it's what makes the culture of each state very different. That's great. And that's what, you know, you have the ability to move to different states if you like that culture. But and surprisingly, some people do. Yeah, I know. People no, still go to those places all yeah, the time. Yeah, totally. So. But um, hmm. the cultural divide is so huge, though. It's it's, really it's big. very strange. It's like two different countries, and it's it not e- it's not east or west or north to south. No, it's not it's even not. Republican Democrat. No, it's it's like mixes of all those because yeah. because digitally we're able to spread groups apart now, yep. and like you can have. Uh, two completely separate groups of people that are geographically completely integrated. Exactly. There's so the like people we, at your grocery store may have completely different views. Maybe maybe yeah. even believe in a different version of reality than you. Exactly. It's it's gotten out of hand. It's it's kind of crazy. And then you throw in the the images coming from the web telescope, and oh, then man. making us feel even more insecure. Oh boy, that's that's even, pretty exciting. That is incredibly exciting. I just pick a picture of yeah. Back in time. Right. Picture back in time. I mean, how close are we to figuring out, like, where the Big Bang originated? Oh, man. It's well, just... Think of how close that is to time travel, like, physically. Yes. If we can see that place with our eyeballs, could like... Could we go there? Could we just travel there? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's... No. It's incredible. Sorry. Science is something that's always been really important to me, obviously. Oh, yeah. Sorry. We derailed and... you from yeah. the education. Oh, no. It's okay. Oh, yeah. See, I could... I could... The problem is, with being a high school teacher, is... The kids, I'm not, I'm not totally susceptible to this, but kids getting you on bird walks, they call it. I would do that all day. Oh, you were great at that. I would welcome it. Yeah. (laughs) No, you were really good at that because you have a a breadth of knowledge and a lot of different things. There'd have to be just like no question time (laughs) where like you got to teach this thing. So no questions because I have to answer them. Right. Like I guarantee you guys got Paget. Oh yeah. Like totally going on bird walks anyway. Well, and you guys have such a such a neat group of people that came out of that graduating class. I think about you guys a lot. A lot of them stayed, but even though the, even the ones that didn't that went, they're doing amazing things. You know, it's really pretty cool. It is very cool. Yeah. So. (laughs) Ring lights, the, uh, the true, um, heroes of the COVID pandemic. I think. They got some money off of me. Yeah. (laughs) Right. No, my ring light was my best friend. It covered a multitude of sins. Yet between that and the Zoom filter, boy. (laughs) Yeah, Zoom. I actually bought stock in Zoom before the pandemic. You are kidding. Because of uh, I heard him advertised on podcasts, and I was on this Marine Resource Committee. Yeah. And. Every every month or whatever the meeting was, they're talking about how we gotta we gotta figure out how to do remote meetings. We gotta do it. And I was like, You guys have never heard of FaceTime? Let's just hold up a phone. Right. Like it's not that hard. 
And then they're like, no, that will never work. We got to get something else. So I did a little research and found Zoom video communications. This was like tw the summer of 2019. And Whoa. I was like, wow, this shit is good. Yeah. And um, later I bought some stock in it like right before the pandemic. Oh my gosh. Yeah. People are going to blame you. I know. I wish I would have made more money. I, I'm just poor, so you, you don't have huge upfront investment. You don't make a bunch of money. No, exactly. But, um, yeah, it was it was cool. Right on. Look oh. good. <laughs> okay, so I got my list. Okay. Um, I actually so, did have the rock hound thing on here because I read that in your bio. Are you serious? Oh man, I love rocks. Why did I take it this angle? <laughs> Just keep spinning on me. I know, that's, I have the same problem with my iPad. Okay. <laughs> um, what what do, have we already said we were going to go back to? Okay, the school thing. Okay. Um, so the school funding, it comes down to, uh, we have to beg our communities basically to fund the schools locally. Um, and in a rural area, that doesn't work out so well because... Um, you know, there are fewer property owners per capita kind of thing. But also um, another issue with it is the funding structure like that says how many counselors you get, how many teachers you should have, how many admin you should have. The funding structure, like what comes from the state, the allocations are based upon basically big school districts that can all um, share resources. You know, they can share um, a school psych. They can share... Um, a counselor if need be, um, or, you know, that way they at least have like a group of them working together out here. We're singletons, you know, and when you only fund a 0.3 school counselor, where does the other 0.6, whatever have to come from? And that has to come from the local taxes, local levies, bonds, things like that, that frankly, at this point, communities are like enough. Um, especially with the housing crisis. Inflation. Uh, inflation. Oh, my gosh. Property taxes go yeah. up. I mean, and you're feeding a couple of, you're feeding a teen and a tween in your house. Um, food has gone up a so lot. much. Gas. Oh, man. Gas? I had to start talking about that. Yeah, that is. It's over $6. It's insane. I could not believe when I saw that. I really thought it was going to go to five and stop for some reason. I don't yeah. know why. But now that it's over six, I'm like, where where does this end? Where does it end? No idea. Yeah. It's terrifying. I, I think I've said terrifying a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, let's talk about some happy stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, anyway, school funding, it's the thing is it it can work if it comes down from the state. It's, you know, our state is a hotbed of innovation. We have Microsoft here. We have Boeing here. In we our should state. have a very well-funded education yeah, system. We should have like one of the best funded education systems. And granted, the teacher pay is good now. Now we have to bring the rest of the funding up to the level where the teacher pay is. Um, because honestly, I, as a full-time teacher, which I'm going part-time next year, just there's a couple of reasons for that. But um, just, I, I make decent money. I mean, I finally feel like I'm making money at my education level, which is cool. Yeah. Um, Cause I didn't really feel that way when I first started teaching. I think I started teaching like it, I want to say like 36,000 a year, which I mean, it's not terrible. It's better than a lot of teachers get, but yeah. it's still not enough. It's not enough. Um, but now I'm, I'm making decent money and it's, you know, it allows um, my family to 
do little things now and then like go on vacation and you know my husband can then focus my husband's like an actor and writer and stuff so he can focus more on that stuff and not so much on having to find a job with benefits and stuff so it, you know it, it does seem like there's enough to go around there is yeah and there's enough people to fill most of the jobs that are needed to be filled and, yeah you know robots for the extras exactly it, it could work it we do i do think it could work I don't know how to do that. I'm glad that there's people like you who are going to run for office and try to figure it out, though. The thing is, um, I don't know if I necessarily need to figure it out, except that I think one thing, one reason why I think I'll be good at this is because I like talking to people and I like getting answers to questions. I like, um, I ask questions a lot. And I think that's part of being a teacher. You learn how to, it's, it's, teaching is not about answering questions. It's about asking them. Honestly, that's education in general, academia in general. Exactly. It should be. Um, And I think that I would be really good at finding the people who could make it all happen. You know what I mean? Because you have to I would love to sit on the House Education Committee, you know, and just be the person who looks into how we could do things better. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's kind of that's total hyperbole. But um you know, I I want schools to be equal to the people that they should serve. And, you know. What does that mean exactly? So I love my students. I, when I look out at my students, even the kids who are just cut ups and, you know, they all have such incredible gifts and they, whether or not they're supported by their family or not, they're all, I think now more than ever, they are totally themselves. There is not a lot of pretense nowadays with kids. This Gen Z. Kids are just allowed to be weird. Let they're them be themselves. allowed to be weird and that's be themselves. Awesome. Exactly. And that is, that's been such a, a privilege to watch that kind of happen over my 18 years of teaching is, um, you know, do you consider yourself a millennial? I guess so. Okay, yeah. yeah. It's interesting how the millennials, um, you guys don't have a lot of time for BS, but you also, I think, are suffering kind of the effects of um, not totally being able to be yourselves. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right? You know? So Riddled with anxiety. Yeah. This generation. Seriously. Yeah. Big time. Um, I feel like the Generation Xers were were pretty heavy on the anxiety, too. (laughs) Very, very uh, critical parents, the generation before. The boomers, boomers yeah. were harsh people. They're very harsh. Uh, um, also very like jovial and, and they, like, yeah, they were way more about like getting together in groups and doing stuff, very. cultural stuff together yeah. more than millennials. Millennials don't know how to gather. You They're know, not as good at it. Gen Xers aren't that good at it either. Um, yeah. We are pretty, I mean, my husband and I are both Gen Xers. He's he's like older Gen X. He's six years older than I am. So he is kind of, well, he was born in 69. So he has more of the 70s experience than I had. I'm definitely more of an 80s kid. Um, and it was, we, we joke about the Gen X situation a lot that we were just kind of left to our own devices in a lot of ways. Um, you know, the fact that my brother and I, we had... My mom was working at the bank in Long Beach, right? My dad had the boat shop in Chinook. So essentially, we were just across the road from the boat shop at home, and we would take off on our bikes in mm-hmm. Chinook. I remember riding up to like Chinook River. As you know? a, how old is it, of a kid? Uh, probably 10. 
Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, right? You would would never never, do that now. No. No, because it's terrifying out there. Even though we had, you know, they would tell us stories of these biker gangs that would come into town, the Gypsy Jokers, they were called. And my grandma, Rhoda, who basically was born and raised here. She was terrified of them. I don't know why. What oh, happened. the gypsy gypsy days or gypsy cruise. What no, was that called? Well, the, the gypsy jokers were the name of the the biker gang. I saw but an then, exhibit at the the historical museum down in Waco yeah. about the gypsy something. I sh- I'll put a ding yeah. in here. I'll ask Madeline. Hello, Ram fam. It's me, Malcolm. According to sources at the Columbia Pacific Heritage Museum, gypsy tour is an American motorcycling term that originated before the 1920s. The term has been mostly but not entirely replaced by rally or run. Gypsy tours were organized where groups of riders converged on a favorite destination. The term gypsy was used because the riders would travel long distances and often sleep in tents around a campfire along the way. Motorcycle races on the beach reached a new level of intensity when the gypsy tour arrived in Long Beach in 1938. This motorcycle rally featured races and skill competitions such as jumps and plank rides which required the rider to drive along a row of planks laid end to end on the beach. The 1940 rally had a top speed of 109 miles per hour. The Chinook Observer estimated that two to 3,000 motorcyclists came to the rally in 1949. Weekend festivities ended with dances at the Long Beach Pavilion, Rhine Hall, and Redmond Hall. You could buy one ticket to get admission to all of the dances. While the peninsula certainly enjoyed the revenue generated by the annual rally, by the mid-1960s that did not outweigh the upheaval caused by the visiting motorcycle clubs. During Labor Day weekend in 1965, 200 soldiers with the Washington National Guard were called into action in Long Beach due to rumors of renegade motorcycle gangs showing up in town. In 1964, the Gypsy Tour was banned by the Long Beach City Council. And that was the end of the Gypsy Tour in Long Beach, Washington. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, it was like a big, it was basically like the Rod Run, the way Rod Run is now. Yeah. Where, uh, like the people for Rod Run come, but also so many other people just with who are into cars right. or who have a hot rod, but they're not actually in the Beach Barons show. Yeah. And it, But it was like a whole peninsula event. And uh, it oh, was wow. about these motorcycle uh, races and tricks and like these, these gypsy gang, the gypsy tours, I think is what it was called. <laughs> And then wow. they eventually made a city ordinance that banned the gypsy tours, and uh, it ended. Okay, I need to learn more about this. It's really cool because maybe it's it'll fascinating. like vindicate my grandma a little bit. You know that she yeah, was, she this was place all, has such a cool history. It, it's an it's an incredible history, and because it's it was built for fun. Yes. it was built to come to place to just kick back. Yes, probably get drunk and party and and just enjoy your family and the water and exactly. be cold and wet a lot. <laughs> Which, you know, the, those of us that live here, that's pretty, I mean, that's kind of how we you get spend used our time. To it. You do get used to it. And I got to say, being on the East Coast in that 90 plus degree weather, it was really nice to come back home mm-hmm. and just be cold and wet instead of hot uh, and yeah. wet. <laughs> it's so fresh. Yeah. The air is so fresh it's here. It's different. That's what I always notice when I come back from anywhere inland yeah. is that the air is like, there's like shit in it. Yeah. It's like the yeah. air out here is just like brand new air. It's all, brand new air. Day. It's like, what are they? It's hyper oxygenated because of the waves. Ionized. Ionized. All, yeah, those the, all the raindrops words. pulling all that nastiness yeah. out of the air. It's, yeah. It's a beautiful place to breathe. It is a beautiful place to breathe. And like the first breath stepping out of PDX after you're coming back from a wherever, doesn't matter. Stinky so places. Good. It's so good. Yeah. So right it's also so good to get the fuck out of here occasionally, though. You d- you have to and go experience some heat and light. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, like we don't always get so <laughs> much of sunshine. that. <laughs> We're all on vitamin D. The light uh, is what I crave more <laughs> so than the heat. Like I don't yeah. mind the the rain when it's like Mm-mm. tropical. 
it's no problem at all. Yeah. I'm all, I'm generally damp anyway. Yeah. Uh, Join the club. Yeah. It's not a problem, but it's <laughs> it's like the the six hours of just half ass daylight that I yeah. get. I'm just like, nope, not gonna do it for me. I'm no. my body is slowly dying in this yes. shit. I got to get some more light. Um, it's terrible. I can't stand it. Oh, I agree. I, I, I think about it. I spend so much time thinking about it and also talking about it on this podcast, how, <laughs> how much I just hate the darkness of the winters here. They're just so dark. I, I my internal clock just like sometimes is just like, I'm going to just hibernate. Yeah. Uh, where I, if I'm in here, cause there's the windows are usually covered. It's quiet. I'm like, wait, is it PM or AM right now? Right. Uh, huh. That's a danger around here. Yeah. For sure. Have you, are you sponsored yet? No. Your podcast? No. Maybe you should look into like um, the sun lamps. Oh, yeah. I'll just they, put them they, all up out here. They just could sponsor the you. Yeah, you could do a little ad spot for them and you could you could hawk sun lamps. Really, in this climate, this would be a great place to sell these things. Indeed. A lot of people don't know about them. Let um, me make a note of that yeah. right now or I will forget. <laughs> no, they, the, I know they work. Um, I've just They never, do work. They're I've great. They're expensive. Yeah. Um, a lot of them are expensive, but. You know, if more people buy them, they will become less expensive. Exactly. So and that's smart people will take them apart and figure out how to build them ourselves. Exactly. So yeah. We'll we'll get cheaper ones. That's where you come in. So oh, I, to... I hope so. But if you know, who can find the time to take apart electronics these days? <laughs> <laughs> I have so so many passion projects. That one's just like not high on the list. Oh man, you should see. Oh boy. You know. Okay, I have a problem. I go to Goodwill a lot, right? I know they're not a great company. I won't hold it against you. But it's I'm a big fan of thrifting and I don't like to buy things firsthand. I like to buy clothing, especially the clothing industry is awful for, you know, just what they put in the environment and everything. Oh, fast, yeah. Fast fashion. Um, so I try to buy most of my clothes secondhand. Um, oh, like all that except shit for that Dan, they sell Dan on t-shirts. Amazon. That's like, you know, uh, okay. People just like buy three of them and throw two away if they doesn't, they don't like the colors. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. Um, but, you know, I always have to walk through the craft section and the wood, like they have the little wood, wood boxes and things. I love I that found stuff. an embroidery hoop that's like two feet across and... I don't know when I'm going to do that. I don't, I, I don't know. But when you have the time, you're not going to have the time time. to go to Joanne. Exactly. So you'll have the hoop. I've got it. I've got it. Got the hoop for when you need it. Yeah. So. Do you embroider? I do. I do embroider. Um, not as good as some people like Maddie. There's some people who are incredible. Some people are like, they know all the knots and everything. Um, I am one of those people that when it comes to like textile arts, I just go for it. You know? You have Um, to. Yeah. You just gotta jump in. Um, I like to call myself in the in the art world a jack of all trades. Uh, You're a naturally sure artistic you. person. I am. So you probably have pretty good luck most of the time when you just jump in. Most like of the when time. you go to a uh, a group art event, like you're going to a wine and, and do a, you know whatever a paint by numbers of <laughs> yeah. David Hasselhoff. Oh, you, I, you're all doing the same thing. I crush at those. I, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. No, I crush at those. And then I'm usually the the bane of the existence of the teacher. Because I'm like going off and doing whatever. And mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think um, I felt bad. Don Nisbet did one um, when the Boys and Girls Club was doing fundraisers like that way um, where he he was lovely. And, you know, but I'm over here. He's doing like a star and star and moon kind of scene and everything. I'm over here giving my moon this nasty face and. Things are growing off of my mood. I just felt really bad. I'm always drawn to more <laughs> of the macabre, grotesque art. Me 
I don't know why. I don't, I don't like that kind of music. Uh, but no, the like visual art speaks to me like that for some reason. It's it's me like too. I don't. I really don't know what it is, but I like that stuff. Me too. I and that's interesting. My my music tastes definitely um, skew toward the less macabre. I'm a big fan of Canadian pop. I love pop. Yeah, yeah, pop is great. I like girl music. Yeah, I like I like music that makes me happy. That um, that. <clears throat> there are some songs that I like that have kind of an anger to them, but but I hip hop. Yeah, hip hop. Do you listen is, to hip hop? Yeah, I do listen to some, mostly the older stuff. You know, because I'm that was very angry. Yeah, very like Public Enemy kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. those guys with attitude. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, I love that stuff because number one, I remember the issues of the time that they were speaking about, although they're still incredibly relevant now. Um, they've almost just like condensed yeah. there's it's more of now it's it, it was like a, a soup now it's like a, a just anger reduction yeah <laughs> like a nice balsamic just, yeah. yes yeah um so anyway yeah music is um <clears throat> why would we be talking about music i don't know why not <laughs> no i'm i'm actually my husband and i are huge oh we were talking um, about art 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 in general just mm. Yeah. Um, no, the macabre, definitely. Um, for some reason, I'm more drawn to kind of dark gray. I mean, just based upon where I grew up, I think it's just the um, I've never been somebody who, you know, puts a lot of happy colors into their work and stuff because it's not something I connect to. But then, I see you have an American traditional uh, with a that looks like a custom design. Swiss Army knife oh, with yes. a fish hook. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Um, that's kind this, of a colorful, pretty, yeah, uh, happy tattoo. Definitely. Well, it is a happy tattoo. Um, this ha tattoo is pretty special to me. Um, I've had a, a Swiss Army knife pretty much my entire adult life, um, and it's it's followed me everywhere, and it makes it's almost like my security object in a way. But also, you know, there are some things that are you can't put in a Swiss Army knife. So I kind of made my dream Swiss Army knife. I've got that's a great idea. The fish hook too. on it because fishing is number one. Um, I love fishing, but it's also part of who I am as um, an ancestor. I think you know, like my family has lived in Chinook since like probably eighteen nineties. Not even to mention the indigenous roots. Um, it's my dad's side is the side that lived in Chinook for since like the 1890s. My mom's side is the indigenous side. So on both sides of my family, I have these incredible ties to this area. Those fishing routes, that's such a real thing. It's very real. Like I notice it so much in my son, in Sawyer. Right, like, Sawyer. He's in he, Alaska right now, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's in Alaska fishing right yeah. now. And they're having like a, a bumper season. Are they? I think that's an agricultural term, but totally. I'm going to apply it here. Yeah, why not? Um, it's a bumper <laughs> crop of salmon. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's great. But um, yeah, and but he's... Since I've met him, like, I mean, I met him when he was seven. Yeah. And he, that's all he wants to talk about most of the time is, is boats and fish and fishing. And it's just like in his soul. And it's, it's yeah. kind of beautiful because as it he's is. getting older, he's learning to have less of it is just like little boy fascination and more of a reverence and respect for the craft. Yeah. And it's really cool. I'm proud of him. It's neat. You should be. He's, I, he's a I, neat kid. Yeah, he's he's a very special kid. Yeah. And uh, But yeah, I, I noticed that the fishing thing, it doesn't seem like he has a choice. It's just like, this is who Drawn I am. Drawn to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's something to, um, not even just the fishing part of it, it's the living near a body of water that is, um, you know, 
whenever I'm somewhere that doesn't really have a, a very noticeable body of water, I have no sense of direction. Me either. It's, we we it's live weird. on a compass. We live on a compass. We have the ocean. It's west. We have the river. It's pretty much south. I mean, it's I know where I am at all times. Yeah, I grew up on Ocean Park, so I had yeah. the, I could hear the ocean at all times. Right, and I I could see the see bay. See the bay. So I'm like, okay, I know where to go. Yeah, and then you, <laughs> you get, get dropped yourself... at a big city or something. Yeah, so I have no idea. No, and luckily most big cities have like a river mm-hmm. that running through them. That the good ones. The good ones, you know. Um, but it's still just. It's incredibly disorienting. Um, and follow <laughs> when we were back east, I like driving. Otherwise, if Me I too. don't if I don't drive, I get car sick. Like even if I'm in the passenger seat. Me too. So in my husband's, I, he's cool with it. He like he's he's cool with me driving. So I did most of the driving back east. Um, but man, that was hard because does he read in the car? Um, he can read that lucky in the car. Son of a bitch. No, he can do anything. He can sleep anywhere. Wow. He can read in a car. He what can... a life that would be. Oh my God. I would get so much work done if I could read in a car. <laughs> well, that's why that's why you don't have that because he like you can't waste it on something like work. You gotta enjoy your life. <laughs> exactly. I remember um when I was a kid, um I wouldn't go anywhere th- without my Walkman, my cassette, mm-hmm. headphones, Walkman. Um Let's see. I think my first album I bought was Huey Lewis and the News. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to You're new definitely drug. an 80s kid. I'm totally an 80s kid. Um, and then the second one that I bought was the Ghostbusters soundtrack. Huey Lewis was on that, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait. No, 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 no. That was uh, Back to the Future. He was on. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway. No, that was Ray Parker Jr. Did the Don't need a credit card to ride this train. <laughs> Such a good song. Who's, is that, who's that Huey that's, Lewis? Yeah, it's Huey Lewis. Okay. And that's from the Back to the Future soundtrack. Okay. And yeah. Same Another era. great soundtrack that I also owned. It so, was so weird when two, 2015 hit, and we're like, "Wait, what? This is the back. This is the future of this back to the, the future." This is the future, and and now we're past it. We're almost into like Blade Runner. Yeah, yeah. What was that? 2049. I think uh, it was. Yeah. I've never even seen Blade Runner. I just pulled that from the collective conscious. It's really good. It's really um, like it's not for everybody, but I think you dig it. It's slow. Is the problem and um, the new Blade Runner, the Runner with Ryan Gosling in it, mm. was okay. But I really suggest you go back and watch the Harrison Ford. Oh yeah, yeah, he's great. And I like to start at the beginning of stuff. I like slow yeah. movies. Like that's the kind of stuff so that I, I like, that you get to pick apart. And but yeah. the the Catch Twenty Two is I don't have time for any movies, let alone one that right. that I have to sit for three hours and focus solely on that. I can't even work while I'm watching it. Like I I have a really difficult time slowing down and taking time to just unplug. I'm the same way. What do you do to, to prioritize your health in terms of <laughs> relaxing and, and checking out sometimes? So one thing I have to do is, um, you know, I have an iPad that I have all of the Adobe suite on it. I have, you know, drawing apps. Do you have Apple Pencil? Yeah, I have an Apple Pencil. You um, must probably work a lot. Then. It's incredible. You can get so much done with that thing. But it also it kind of stymies me in a way that I'm kind of like ugh, staring at a screen while, and it's usually while I'm watching something, I'll put something on in the background um, because I don't know if it's undiagnosed ADHD or whatever. Um, like I have a son who's definitely ADHD, um, but I have a really hard time just focusing on one thing and getting something done. I have to have something else kind of going in the background that's not going to draw my attention. Um, 
like like Friends is on in the background Friends. or something, right? Or the um, Office. The West Wing is actually Wing. something that one. has been I you know just recently since going to DC been like okay that's what I'm going to put on the background. Have you already really. watched it all the way through though? Oh yeah. It's a rerun for you. Yeah. Because I think that part's important. Yeah. If it's new, if, if it's, it's new, not not uh, like can't it, it can't it. be novel stimuli. Uh, no, it or can't it be will new. Suck you right in. Seriously. Yeah. No, it's um it's really interesting though. It's like um and also having another person in the room. Was, that was I was just gonna ask. Does it work with a person? Yeah. That's called body doubling. Yes. Yeah. And it's a thing. And I didn't know that until. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I don't know if you look at TikTok at all. A little bit. Yeah. So TikTok has a lot of people in my generation convinced that we all have ADHD. And, and autism. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and a lot of you probably do. We probably do, yeah. honestly. Well, because your parents probably did too. Yeah. And, and Whatever. that's just, it's been around people. Yeah. We're just, just now figuring out how to identify it in yeah. people that aren't causing problems. So like up until the last really two or three years, mm-hmm. only people who are identified as ADHD or autistic were the ones who caused problems for others, yes. for, for holistic or neurotypical people. Yeah. And um, all the rest of us didn't get diagnosed because it was like, well, you figured out how to get by, but it's not a great life no. to try to, to, it's try exhausting. to get by without being noticed. Yeah, totally. It no, I mean, the masking that mm-hmm. they talk about, it's like, oh, is that what I'm doing? Like constantly. Um, and, you know, the nice thing about working with teenagers is I don't feel like I have to mask as much. And I think that's why there are a lot of neurodivergent people that are drawn to teaching. Little kids and dogs, too. Yeah, totally. You can just be yourself. You can just be yourself. Oh, yeah. This and guy's cool. Yeah. And they, they prefer it. And mm-hmm. they, they like it when you make mistakes because it gives them, you know, an idea. Oh, adults are humans, too. And. Anyway, that's a bird walk and, right well, there. And well, so many people talk down <laughs> to kids and talk to them like they're not yes. human beings. It's yes. Like, come on, they can understand you just fine. Yeah. Long before they can talk. Yes. So oh, I know. It's yeah. You don't have to talk to them like that. No. And you like it's if there's a difference between moderating your content and moderating your tone and pace. You don't have to moderate tone and pace for a little kid nearly as much as people do. No. It's helpful when they're really young, establishing those basic sounds, right? Like the fon- when you're emphasizing phonetics. Yeah, and language patterns <clears throat> and things. Just. But you can you can really still talk to them on a very normal level a lot yeah. of the time too, and and it works. Then they start talking quick. Right. Like not that that's even in, like. Uh, it's like a situation you want as opposed to them taking longer. Yeah. All that's, who cares? It's not no, it's race. Like my oldest took a while to talk, but when he finally started talking, he was full sentences, articulate. His little brother, though, was he wanted to communicate with his big brother. Yeah. So he talked a lot er- earlier. And but when his talking started, it wasn't as articulate. It was a little more, you know, he had trouble with those R's and stuff. And um, but he wasn't comparing himself to adults and no. like, uh, yeah, yeah, the older one had time to formulate his thoughts. Right. Exactly. And those thoughts came out and we were like, wow, who are you? You know? Yeah. He's a unique kid. Both of your kids are very special. They're pretty unique. Um, I'm every day I kind of step back and look and, and say, am I doing them justice? You know, am I I've I've really tried to let them become themselves. And what are they into right now? Um, oh boy. Um, the oldest is he just got his first smartphone. Ooh. Yeah. Um, but luckily, you know, he's not really interested in social media. He's, he's a gamer. So he is, um, like all into Pokemon go right now. Um, he went through like a kind of a Japanese anime phase that he's like, mom, I'm not into that right now. 
you know, I, I like po- I pointed out somebody in D.C. that was wearing a Naruto jacket. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know. Um, and he's like, Mom, stop. God, I'm not into that. I'm like, OK, Doesn't dude, that hurt your feelings a little bit, you know, <laughs> I because I, I thought I knew my child. They just um, change so fast. They change incredibly and fast. It's so weird when they start being embarrassed by you. Yeah. Um, like. It's heartbreaking because up until then, you know, you're so cool. You're really cool. And I still am. cool. Yeah, you stay cool. Yeah. But but now I'm actually saying it. I'm saying, but I'm cool. You know, it's which makes you not cool. But I I knew it was all coming too. like, I I understand human development and the fact that they're trying to establish their own identity. And in order to do that, they have to identify with an adult role model and then separate from their caregiver. Yeah. Like that's a crucial part of the process. If you don't do that, you develop unhealthy attachments. Exactly. Yeah. You know. I get it, but it still stings. Yeah, it does. It still stings when, could you drop me off just up here? Yeah. Uh, It's like, I could take you all the way. No, no, no. That's okay. It's rough. But- He's incredible. I mean, he's he's still he's still that baby that has, you know, came out. He's an old soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's been neat over uh, he kind of developed a fascination with ants over the last couple of those. years. Yeah, he um, he I get him on here and we'll talk about ants for two hours. Oh, my God. He would love that. I they're incredible. They are. I'll um, let you keep going, but they're a window into. I mean, okay. So he got into ants and he researched. Okay, if I want to start my own colony, I need to go out and of look. Humans? Um, no, of ants. <laughs> Maybe both. Yeah, exactly. He um, researched how to find a queen. What you have to do is you have to look for, you know, um, a. An ant that has the wing scars where it has taken off its own wings, that means it's ready to, to it has mated and it's ready to start laying eggs. Those big, scary winged ones are not my favorite. They, that's funny. God. Um, that, I think it's a carpenter ant. So, okay. yeah. Those are the, the beefy ones. They are the beefy ones. But he caught one, or actually, what was funny is um, his little brother found out he, he was listening. He didn't let on that he was listening very much, but he was listening. And he came to me one day and he said, Mom, I want to catch an ant for Rory. I want to catch him a queen. I'm like, cool, dude. Go right ahead. And I'll be damned with that kid. On our front deck, one day he's like, Rory, I think I found a queen. And sure enough, it was a queen. And that's the queen that two years later, Rory has an ant colony that he started. Yeah, that it's very small. And, you know, he's still kind of feeling it out, but he is really interested in like, it's it's actually called myrmecology, the study of ants specifically, not uh, entomology, mm-hmm. which is all insects, but to the point where he kind of wants to go into it. Like, granted, he's going into eighth grade, so who knows, that could change. You could but- pair that kind of education with any kind of like a material science and you'd be an yeah. inventor or like right. if you're that kind of a brain you can do all kinds of stuff with that education right. just and the level of analogy there is with ants and humans that's like structural uh, society stuff yes i suggested to him that you could do a double major you could do myrmecology and anthropology which is kind of funny anthropology. that that's kind of yeah. funny yeah because it really is a window into um how human societies sometimes organize themselves and sometimes don't, you know, it's, it's really cool. So we found there's actually a school of myrmecology or a, a professor that's written books down at Stanford. And I am trying to convince him to write to her and be like, Hey, can I come visit your program? And cause now he's like all, he wants to go to Stanford and here I am, you know, public school teacher, like, 
<laughs> okay. I um, really would. Uh, <laughs> I really would do this podcast with him. To, yeah. It doesn't have to be anytime soon. It it could be like even sometime before he graduates. Okay. If he wants to make this as a project to show how his education in ants or something like that, he's he can use my platform. Love that. Um, we can do video too. Um, okay. So yeah, let him know about that. I will. I think that'd I be really fun. Yeah. And I also think it'd be pretty effective as a strategy for like also provide additional materials. Here's this thing I made about ants. Yeah, indeed. Oh, he That'd would love neat. that. That would be really cool. Thank um, you. I watched this video where they poured liquid metal down yeah. an abandoned ant. It was, they said abandoned. Oh, abandoned. I know. And that's knows? the thing is, it probably was. I, I want to, you know, think of Those people as. Those things are incredible. Isn't amazing? Incredible. Yes. I, I had no idea how, uh, not only just, I picture just like random, a lot more randomness, yeah. but it's very structured. They're, very. they're, high, they're, a, what are they even called? Colonies. Yeah. Are uh, they have like a central tunnel with a bunch of offshoot yes. tunnels and then a bunch of chambers? Yeah. It's like a city. They have um, they have trash. Yeah. Areas they have where they put recycling. trash. They have recycling. They compost. They have they compost. Yeah, and they have um, they burial. They yeah. they bury yeah. their dead. Yeah. And it's just they have culture. They have culture. They pass down knowledge from generation to generation. Yes. It's it's really crazy. And oh they also just the, the biology of their physical form, the yeah. fact that they can lift 10 times their strength. I mean, the, they're incredible. their strength is to pick up 10 times their body weight. Yeah. It's just, yeah, they're very neat creatures. Imagine yeah. if they were our size. They would be the masters of this planet. Oh, they us. would absolutely be the masters of the planet. Yeah. And I think, I don't It'd know be if a, we'd be it, better like, off. If, if tomorrow every organism, maybe not every organism, it would get too com complicated with all the bacteria and stuff, but yeah. everything bigger than uh, a mouse suddenly became the same size. Mm. And this is just a battle royale. Do you think humans would come out on top? Nope. We have the technology. We have the technology, but who's to say that they wouldn't be able to harness the same technology and take it from us? And the, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, the thing is. Uh, Octopuses and chimps would probably team up. <sighs> Get with the honey badgers, and the, then the, we're doomed. The moment I saw that video of that octopus walking on land, I yeah, that's kind of the point where I was like, oh, we're we're in trouble. I just saw a thing that their their back two tentacles are actually more considered legs because they're used to stand up and walk on two legs uh, on the floor of the ocean. Right? Yeah, I've seen. And, those and they like pick. It looks like a. a a bride picking up her dress like yeah. so they pick up all the their tentacles with and two of their tentacles and then just walk around it's really crazy oh my gosh have you watched my octopus teacher i have not yet i keep it's on my list you should watch it it's it's a uh, very heartwarming really? it's also just really interesting from an ecology point of view like okay. this guy is going diving in these icy no not not, not icy but uh, very cold, cold water like yeah. here yeah and uh every day and he's just going down there and snorkeling and holding his breath for a long period of time long enough to meet this creature and befriend an octopus mm -hmm. and uh it start like at first he just sees it down there occasionally and then it starts coming and seeing him daily Aww. and he builds a relationship with this creature and it's it's really cool and i won't spoil the ending but every kid who loves animals isn't that like the dream to yeah. like make friends with a wild animal. Yeah, especially one it... as intelligent as that. Yeah. And that has that much character. Like yeah. they have, I mean, it's hard to even fathom that because they don't have a human face. Right. So like that's where we get so much of our emotional communication. Yep. I don't know how I would pick up on the cues, emotional cues of an octopus. I barely can handle human. <laughs> like <laughs> I have to look at the face. <laughs> like, uh, octopus would be tricky. Yeah. It would be tricky. But I mean- 
it's just like learning a new language, I guess. But I I would do it. I mean, if it were to make friends with an animal, I would yeah. do anything. If I had time after I was done taking apart all those electronics, I would get my ass in that river and go look for an octopus buddy. <laughs> I wonder, do we have – I don't think we have any in the, like the estuary. Probably not. Probably but you'd have definitely to definitely just a couple of miles that oh, way. Definitely. Out there in the Pacific. Yeah. For sure. The Pacific octopus. It's the one of the yep. one of the good ones. Giant one of the good ones. <laughs> have you seen that giant squid that has like hundred foot tentacles? It That's looks like the Grim Reaper a bit. Scary. Like a ghost, terrifying ghost creature of your nightmares. Yes. Have you ever heard of the term thalassophobia? No. It's the it's the the fear of deep, dark water and not knowing what's under there. That sounds very human. It's very human. Exactly. Because we are, I mean, there are things like, why are we scared of dark forests? Why are we scared of dark water? It's That's like, where the monsters live. Exactly. So, um, but then thinking about those huge behemoths, leviathans, you know, yeah. out that could be out there that we haven't seen yet. I mean, it's... Do you think there are still... There's got to be. I mean... So I got to teach English this year, um, which I'm also endorsed in. I'm an art teacher, you know, but I also have an English um, supporting endorsement. And I taught a book this year um, called The Highest Tide. And it's actually it takes place in the Puget Sound. And it talks about this kid who starts to notice incredible um, like things washing up in Olympia. Like things that have no business being in the Puget Sound, watching up like oarfish, like a giant squid, um, you know, and how and it talks a lot about, well, we're starting to see things up here that we've never seen before just because of the change in the ocean temperature. And this is actually happening. Yeah, it's huge. Um, you know, we saw we're starting to get sunfish, mola molas. Those things are alien. I'm sorry. But <laughs> those things are terrifyingly, like, weird and huge. huge. Yes, I saw one. There was a dead one about 15 years ago. Um, my dad called me down at Schnook Park that had washed up. Oh, and it was, yeah, it was probably, I'd say, probably five feet long. You know, it was a good size. That's pretty small. Yeah, it, that's pretty small. Exactly. But at the same time, it was just like, I cannot believe I'm looking at this. Um, so the very fact that. Things are changing in the ocean. I think we're going to start to see more things that we haven't seen before because that ocean is incredibly vast, deep. Um, there's got to be stuff out there that we haven't seen. It's just like space exploration. Yeah. How could there not be? How could there not be? It's, I mean, just seeing the incredible biodiversity on land. It's got to exist in the sea too. What about Bigfoot? What's your what's your official stance on Bigfoot? He's out there. He's what? He's out there. He's out there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, when well, my it wouldn't boys, shock me. <laughs> it wouldn't shock me either. And you know, honestly, in the news cycles lately, it would probably get buried. Yeah. You know, aliens but, sure has. Yeah, dude. Oh. I don't yes. even want to talk about that. I'm tired of talking about it. I can't. There's no answers. No one has <laughs> no, answers. No one has answers. You know that my boys and I, um, on a road trip about three years ago, we actually, um, we were um, in Nevada and we drove to the back gate of Area 51 because somebody at a little like alien gift, gift store gave me a hand-drawn map. 
oh my to God. the back gate. Yeah, it's amazing. I my would, oldest, that would never happen. My oldest oh, was scary. terrified. I bet. Um, and my youngest, he's like, yeah, let's do this. And I've got a picture of us, you know, at the back gate. Is There's... that a good snapshot for their personalities? <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh yeah, we haven't even talked about the younger one. Um, oh yeah, he is. He's been a. Um, he's a wild man. He's my wild man. I wouldn't call him wild so much as unpredictable. Um, the wild card in the best way. You know, he is. Um, oh, that is what wild is. Yeah, he by is definition, that's the wild card. Incredibly, like he's just naturally funny. Like everything he does, um, he just—it's funny, and he has timing. And my husband, as an actor, big comedy nerd, he is constantly just in awe of what Milo, the youngest, does. Um, but he's also incredibly like—he's a performer, but he's also. He feels really deeply. He is, um, I have my old soul and my old son, oldest. I call Milo my young soul. Like he's new. Mm -hmm. And everything is new and fascinating. Um, His feelers are exposed. Yes. He's more sensitive. Very much. Less stoic. Yes. And he has taught me how to be a better teacher, um, how to be more patient, how to listen um, because there are times when he can't find the words to express what he's feeling. So I have to just sit there and, you know, just be next to him when he's having those big feelings. And not ask him a thousand questions. Exactly. And not try to solve everything. Yeah. Um, there are some times when I say to him, I don't think I can solve this problem for you. That's so liberating it's, for a little kid. Yeah. Because, you like, know. Oh, you trust me. Right. Um, so there are times when I can't help him, but I can be there at least to, you know, get the scotch tape if that's what you need to repair the thing that just... Sometimes it's really hard to find the end. It just yeah. stick there. You go yeah. round and round really and round. Hard. Yeah. Tape is a big thing in our house. At least uh, it was for a while. I don't know. Not necessarily now. Um, I'm a major fan of tape. I have lots of rolls. <laughs> me Many too. different types. Different types. Exactly. Don't even get me started on glues. I'm a big adhesives guy. Exactly. No. And that's, I, I am always, I'm all about the right tool for the right job. It, there's so much uh, dopamine in that statement. Yes. It's like when you have the perfect tool to accomplish exactly the task in the yep. right, most efficient way, it's just like, it's art. Yes. Yes. My, one of my grandmas um, was, <laughs> she used a butter knife to fix everything. It's a good tool. Yeah. It's like the, the TV isn't tuned in, get the butter knife. Um, That's how we used to have to get uh, videos into our VCR. We had a, kept a butter knife on top. You'd have to, because something was broken, you'd have to put the butter knife on the tape and then push it kind in with your hand and in there. slide it in and push it down with a knife. That's how you could get it in. Yes. Yes. See, that's the thing is, you know. TV VCR repair, very expensive. Common you know, skill in, in Generation X yeah. and uh, some millennials, but yeah. the kids these days, they don't know how to fix a VCR. No, they just, I mean. Like a VC what? VC what, exactly. We actually have a collection of VHS tapes because. You ever watch them? <sighs> no. They look like garbage. <laughs> they look total, like total, total garbage, but also it's, that's become an aesthetic. Uh-huh. Um, there's filters on the on the apps that make yes. it look like an old VHS yes. tape. I am a big fan of this is probably going to, you know, probably color me in several ways for people. Um, the Tim and Eric show yeah. on Adult Swim, you know, mm -hmm. all of the branches off of that and stuff. But how they have turned that VHS aesthetic into a genre. Of, kind of an MTV look also. Yeah. That, that era. Very. 
And it's just, it's, it's funny watching it as a Gen Xer who saw TV like that, but then my kids laugh at it too. Yeah. The, I only show them the appropriate stuff, but, um, cause it's very inappropriate. Um, but it's, I, I think, okay, so that's actually a good question for, for a podcast, but where do you stand on censorship when it comes to, uh, what you let your kids watch. And first, I'll, let me tell you what I do first because I don't want you to feel judged if you if you don't do it the way society does it. Sure. But I personally have very strong impulses to let my kids watch stuff mm-hmm. that has lots of swear words in it if, if there it happens to be if it's uh, artistically relevant, yeah. like if it is if it is relevant to a good story or if I think that even if it's just like really good comedy that, yeah. that is going to speak to them because most adult comedies, comedies aren't going to. So oh. I'm not going to let them watch something that they don't that are, they're not going to connect with. Right. But if it's something that has like a good example is the water boy. Uh, I let my kids watch the water boy it's and great. it had been years since I'd seen it and it, it held up. It yeah. was very funny, and it had some parts where everybody in the room looks at me. Yeah. When I'm just like, it's already on. I'm not going to turn it off. Right. But I, I stand by it because I'm like, I want I want them to have this cultural information, and they're laughing so hard, and yeah. I don't think they're going to be scarred by nope. whatever it was, and I don't even remember what it was anymore. Vicky Valancourt's Topless or something. I don't know. Whatever. But it's a great, it's a classic film. Yeah. But the same thing with music. Yes. I, I like hip-hop. I like yeah. hip-hop with lots of bad words in it and it it was one thing when my child was a newborn <laughs> because right. i'm like you know i don't want these words to be pumped into her head yes and i don't want this to be the foundational language that she has right i want her to, to use you know good words yeah um but now she's like kids are zoning out most of the time i usually will just put on what i want to listen to yeah. and i listen to good shit so I want them to experience good music. Yes. And something like um, Kendrick Lamar. Oh, man. Very, very culturally relevant. Very. But kind of hard to listen to. Kind of hard, I, yeah. I, but I, tr- I put on the new album with uh, yeah. for the uh, Blind Listen uh, with my older daughter and who's yes. 11. And um, and she she's like she knows how to consume art with like an open mind. And like, sure. but it was so so vulgar right away i was just like ah, oh, dang i can't i can't do it i had to yeah. turn it off but like we've listened to uh like to pimp a butterfly together yeah. before and it's it's poetry it's beautiful it's poetry it's kendrick, kendrick lamar is amazing fantastic yeah um but yeah so i don't know I, me and melissa went and saw him just while she was oh. pregnant with amelia we were so old so old it felt bizarre i was like i really didn't <laughs> expect this i thought i was still quite hip Right. But it was just a bunch of kids. Yeah. And Travis Scott was playing there, too. This was before he started killing oh, people wow. at his concerts. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it was uh, not that fun, actually. It really? Was, it was at the Tacoma Dome. So that the sound is just terrible in there. No, that's not a good was, venue. Yeah. But anyway, um, how, where do you, how do you uh, manage that with your kids and, and consuming art? Much to probably my mom's dismay. My children are allowed to curse in my home. As long as they are not calling each other names, they're allowed to use those words because those words are words and they need to understand it. So there's this thing called code switching. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's basically a lot of um, people of color do this where they have to change how they communicate based upon the... um, wherever they are. Are they in school? They're working? Are they with their family? 
So it's like a and whole nother language. It is a whole nother language. Yeah. So why should my kids not learn how to code, code switch to where they um, understand what is and is not appropriate during certain times? They've never gotten in trouble at school for cursing. Um, and I mean, I've kind of got a potty mouth. So it's better for them, I think, to see who I am. And that I'm a, a successful person. I think I am relatively successful. Um, but I also don't police their language. Um, I basically, I don't want them to hurt each other with those words. But, um, you know, if you stub your toe and you say shit, so what? It's probably okay. It's probably okay. Yeah, words that are hurts. like seasoning. Words are like seasoning, exactly. And I know a lot of people will argue, well... But there are so many other words you could use instead. And I'm like, use those too. Use those too. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, my kids have great vocabularies. It's just the way they are. And I also, I will beg to differ. I don't think there's a word that can replace fuck. Oh my God. It's such a great word. It's a great word. It's, it's I mean, versatile. It's, it's it, versatile. It's, it's, it's several parts of speech in one. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, you can use it on a lot of different contexts yeah. too. You can, I mean, it's usually, it's, it's more of a casual word, but you, yeah. you, you might see it at a business meeting. Uh, you know, something yeah. terrible happens. Oh fuck. Yeah. You know, you might see it at a funeral. Like, fuck guys, this is a really hard day. Yes, exactly. You can see it anywhere. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, but you don't want to see it in a classroom. Not necessarily. Unless although, it's like a cool music history professor. Or if it's your art teacher that or art forgets teachers. herself a little bit, and art teachers you know, can can get away with a lot. They have they're allowed to be eccentric. <laughs> yeah, and I kind of at fight, least they they damn well should be. I fight that stereotype a lot, but there are times when I really lean into it too. Yeah, it's probably got its pros and cons. It's got its pros and cons for sure. You know, you you can definitely get away with wearing different things than your colleagues can. Um, you know, you can get away with having different conversations with kids because, um, you know, art is inherently about a human experience. And when you it's expressive, it's expressive. And when you have that kind of culture in your classroom where you want kids to be able to express themselves, they're going to express themselves, not just visually, but verbally and with each other. And you kind of have to support that and foster that safe place environment. Totally. And that's what it is. It's it's a safe place. I know a lot of people like to make fun of the idea of a safe space. But I, I know I almost didn't say it because of that. But it, it's yeah. a great it's a great idea. Yeah. That there is because it, it's a very simple thing. Is yes. you either feel safe or you don't. Right. And it's uh, it's really nice to feel safe. It's really nice to feel safe. And yeah. I think there are so few places anymore where people do feel safe that anytime we can make more of those spaces for people it's it's a good thing yeah definitely yeah what are the parts of the stereotype that you don't like <laughs> well the part of the stereotype of being flaky um you know i seem to remember i screwed up on your grade that, yeah, i wasn't <laughs> gonna bring it up no it's okay i screwed up on maddie's too that that semester i, I really know that. yeah no i totally screwed up on hers i fixed everything but um you know there's one thing that I pride myself on, and it is my ability to um, record keep and make sure that everything is like I'm doing my job, you know, mm -hmm. like I'm holding up that end of things that, you know. <laughs> Wait, you actually it really was a mistake. <laughs> it was totally a mistake. This just reframed that entire experience for me. No, because I had I had forgotten. I think I forgot to put mark an article that you had turned in. I honestly didn't even look and see what it was. I just knew it was wrong. <laughs> uh, I found, I saw my grade. I was like, well, this isn't right. I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to go 
get to the bottom of this very you, rationally, you quite s- rationally. And I, by the time I got there, though, I was You're I was a little pissed. hot. I came in hot. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> we've had this discussion we've had this, already. We've, we've hashed but, this out. Um, I don't yeah, care. I'm not. I, we're over it now. We, and honestly, we've all resolved it. But uh, as a high school teacher, I that happens a lot. Yeah. I mean, you just you. Um, I thought the world was against me at that point. Well, I, sure, I, because I, developmentally, that's how a lot of teenagers feel at that yeah, point. Yeah. You know. Also, I I too was trying to fight that flaky uh, persona, which I had so I still have it. Oh, I mean, look at this hair. Yeah, like it's. <laughs> Don't even get me started on mine. Um, I'm trying to grow out kind of a not successful haircut right now. I, I um, considered bringing clippers and having you give me a haircut on film just for, <laughs> for views because it's been so hot. My stepson did that on Twitch. My husband went and gave him shaved his head on Twitch for, mm-hmm. for the views. That's how I'll get my next haircut. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, what my point was, I I didn't I didn't want to shed that persona completely. Sure. Because I wanted to be able to lean into it, like you just said, like yeah. when it's true. Because sometimes it is. Right. I am that type of person. Yeah. But at the same time, I didn't want people to make assumptions about me no. just because I was that kind of a person. Me too. Like uh, at, at the time, I was I was not a big stoner, uh, but everyone seemed to think I was. And um, I became one shortly thereafter though. So, you know, it was fair. And I, and I planned on it um, at the time, (laughs) but um, I I, I had just hadn't, you know, gotten to that stage in my life yet, but I had grown my hair out and this was all around the same time, but I'm pretty sure that that happened. Oh no, 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 no. I I was smoking weed at that time. I I apologize. That's wrong. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Weed will mess with your memory also. But um, this is true. Yeah. I don't remember where I was going with that. It's I was, okay. I was a young buck and I was yeah. just trying to, you know, find my place in the world. And you were a kid. I, uh, I I don't know where I thought that forcing my uh, opinion into the into the space was going to make a difference. But it it that's I never handle things like that anymore. Bum rush no. people and just be like, hey, you did yeah, something exactly. I don't like. Exactly. And I remember a couple of your classmates were sitting in the room at the time and they're just kind of like. I'd done it to them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had had seen it before. Nice. Um, I didn't. Even, yeah. No, I know. it's and like I said, it's part of being a high school teacher is that you you come back the next day with a clean slate, and that's important. Is that students understanding that they can make mistakes, they can act like absolute jackasses, and still come back the next day and be safe, be loved. And hopefully maybe learn something. That's the yeah. beauty. And um, I don't know. Um, so Dave Tobin, our principal, just um, retired. One thing he has up on, had up on the wall above the staff copier is um, make them feel safe, make them feel loved. There's some other things, you know, talk to them, stuff like that. But at the very bottom, it says, and maybe learn something. Set the, meet the lower needs first. Right. Yeah. So that, a lot of those things sound like, things that you're having to do at home as a parent. Yes. Is there any kind of conflict there? How do you have enough left in the tank at the end of the day for your own kids? It's a different tank. Different tank. Yeah, it's a different tank. And um, and I'm not going to say that it's a performance, but it kind of is. It is understanding that um, your students are special to you and they are incredible people and you have this unique privilege of helping them become the people that they're going to become. Not all of them are going to connect with you. And but you hope that they connect with somebody in the building, you know. So one thing I've always been able to do is is 
compartmentalize school and who I am at school, feeling incredibly passionate about teaching. But also, I, I work like hell while, while I'm there. I work really hard. I work through my planning period. Most of the time, I'm working during lunch. So that at 3.30, I can go home. And, you know, as an experienced teacher, that's something I can do. You're actually able to cut it off and do I it? I am. That's, that's really good. But when I was first teaching, luckily, I had, you know, I think three or four years under my belt before I started having kids. So that gave me time to cut my teeth, get some lessons that really worked, understand how to make lessons that work. Um, Build yourself a workflow. Yeah. And, excuse me, that was the best decision I could have made, was wait to have kids. Um, I know that doesn't work out for everybody. But then once they came along, I had a better grounding in terms of, you know, before, the, before I had kids, I would spend a little extra time after school prepping for the next day and stuff. But Yeah, you can do whatever you want. I can do whatever I want. Your life is yours. Yeah. But then when I had my kids, um, which was very much a, a conscious decision, I waited till I was 33. Um, I'm kind of an older mom compared to all the other moms. Um, but at that point, I felt like, okay, I know what I'm doing here. Now I can come be a mom after school. And a lot of it is just coming home and being present, I guess. This sounds really cheesy, but... Um, that, that's the stuff that's usually the truest. Right. It's, it's weird how it's just learning how to sit there with your kids on the floor and play with them and understand that the person you are at work even if some kid cussed you out that day, you come home and you are a mom. And this little person looks at you and sees you as mom. So you are home. I'm home. Yeah. And um, and it's something I feel like I've really I've I guess I would call that an accomplishment that I have pretty good work life balance. That's a huge accomplishment. It is. And it's rare. Most people don't right. ever accomplish that. It's, it's so hard, um, especially as a teacher. And granted, you know, I guess I have a little bit of a luxury as an art teacher that my grading is a little bit more, um, I, I, it's not subjective because kids have to evaluate their own work. You know, they have to actually turn in work, you know, to get a grade. Um, but like an English teacher who teaches English all day long and has all those essays to look at, um, I'm kind of glad I'm not teaching English next year because yeah. I won't have to, you know, grade all those essays. But um, so I guess as an art teacher, I have to acknowledge that I have the power to just work like heck when I'm there, get everything ready and then go home and go out in the woods and hunt for mushrooms with my kid. Yeah, that sounds like a good life. It is a good life. Yeah. Are you worried that jumping into a new career is going to kind of put that in jeopardy little bit yeah um the thing about being a state legislator is that it is considered a part-time gig so i am going back to work part-time in the fall and that's not the reason why it's not because i'm running i actually decided on that before i started uh, decided to run for for legislator um the reason i'm going back part-time is i kind of need to step away from the education world a little bit 
um, maybe let some other people take on the roles of, you know, organizing graduation and um, doing honor society and all that stuff. Because my husband and I are actually, um, we're buying my aunt's bookstore in Iwako. So time enough books. Yeah. Cool. That's yeah, my aunt's store. My kids have basically grown up in there. That's awesome. Yeah. And my husband, he works there. It's a three great days little a store. It is a great little store. And she has this incredible following of amazing people, but we also have visions of what we could turn it into. Um, you know, so I'm also going to be a small business owner and I'm hoping that that will turn itself into, you know, even if I'm not elected, you know, I can maybe do that full time someday. Um, there's a space in the back, like for a classroom that I could do art classes. I mean, there's, I'm just at a point in my life where I kind of feel like, um, you know, if COVID has taught us anything, it's to, to live in the moment, I guess. Another cheesy line, I guess. I'm about to say a bunch of them. (laughs) Right on. It sounds like you're trying to build community. Yeah. Like it, with the bookstore, like a little space for art in the back, like that we are as a, just as a species where it's so much in need of places to gather and places to connect that are physical um, and also just psychological. So many people have nobody to connect with and they they get all their connection in basically freeze-dried form like through the internet. They're they're just consuming, watching people on a screen. They're not interacting and engaging. It's not real. And I'm going to, I know a lot of people will say, but it is real. I'm like, it's McDonald's though. It's food. You get to eat, but there's no nutrients in there. Right. Like you don't, you're not being fed the same way. Yes. It's still, it'll keep you alive, but it isn't going to make you thrive. Exactly. So I, I envision that the bookstore becoming kind of that that kind of space where people can gather where, you know, my aunt always had this vision of doing like Saturday morning, like um, readings for kids to come in like story time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also have, I know teenagers on our peninsula have a need for that kind of community. They don't have a place to go after school where they can just be themselves mm-hmm. without somebody preaching to them or, yeah. you know, it's, so I envision having that classroom space almost be like a gathering space for those kids that, you know. You attract a very specific type of kid. Yeah. They're not the troublemakers. No, they're not. They're incredible. Um, I, there's so many kids at Owaka right now that they may not be the best students. Some of them are hard students, you know, but they are incredibly innovative in just how they look at the world. And school's not for them. Mm-hmm. Which sucks. Yeah. Um, that's another. I, I, that's another thing completely um, about what schools should be doing. That can we talk about that a little bit? Not. Yeah. I mean, off. Um, I want to say off the record, but I'm definitely yeah. going to still put it in the podcast. Sure. But uh, <laughs> just I don't want to like talk of it in reference to like your political stance as a mm-hmm. candidate, but just in like a, a as a dreamer, as a dreamer, a as a teacher and a dreamer. <gasps> How oh could we make education perfect if money was no object? I think you've had Kelly Jacobson on the on the podcast before, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, she and I have talked a lot. And we have a very similar vision of what education could be if it was funded fully, if it were not, you know, do away with a high stakes testing. Um, you All know, the stuff that's not working. Exactly. Just cut it. Just cut it. Um, just... <laughs> 
a couple of friends in a, a but we got to backfill I, with yeah, something better yeah you can't just cut um, it and be gone i know you know sarah taylor mm -hmm. um she and i are close we you know went to preschool together basically um but we especially since covid we've both been of the mind of uh, let's just burn it all to the ground and then build it back and build it back um consciously of do we need somebody doing this do we need a middle middleman constantly you know anyway from at every level at every level exactly um you know teachers are we probably realize we have 10 times too many administrators and yep. 10 times too few janitors yes oh my gosh the janitors and the secretaries they run the place and you have to and they stay for years and they years. They do. It's unlike, incredible. Unlike teachers and administrators. No. They, they, they are the best measure of the culture of a building, I think. But education shouldn't just be, I mean, uh, I'm, people are going to say I'm a communist, but um, I'm so anti-capitalist that because capitalism has kind of put its tendrils into everything including education and that with bad incentives bad incentives exactly there's no yeah um so my vision for education would be small schools multi-age because the olders teach the youngers and then the olders by teaching the youngers learn more um, and this is one thing that I do, you know, the nice thing about having an art class, I have nine through 12 in my classes and the freshmen, they don't act like freshmen in my class or sorry, not to say that acting like a freshman is bad. Um, but they're not as mature. They mm -hmm. don't, they haven't been around the big kids as much. So there's this amazing thing that happens when you have kids of multiple ages in a classroom. It can go south really easily. I mean, it can get kind of scary if the seniors involved are not more of the mentor kind of quality. But when you watch kids work with each other, it's the most magical thing. And, um, you know, and then seeing older kids realize that younger kids have an opinion and vision and... So I that back see, and forth is is really really huge. effective for it, learning. It really is C compared to just lecture style, where one person stands and everybody listens if they want, yeah, or if they can. Yeah, kids have a, some kids have a really hard time with my teaching style because I, um, in my art classes, I teach. It's a philosophy called um, TAB, Teaching for Artistic Behavior, and it's essentially giving them the skills, like teaching them the hard skills, you know, how to work with charcoal, how to f form a pinch pot and, you know, score and slip things together. Um, you give them those skills, you expose them to artists, you know, show them stuff, and then you just give them extremely loose projects. And then they have to figure out how to solve those problems. Um, a lot of kids are like, just tell me what to do. Yeah. You know, because they... That's what they're used to. They're used to it. And it's its so... It's disheartening, but it's also illuminating. I bet you have to really emphasize the fact that there are... It's hard to be wrong. Yeah. Because that... I remember that feeling when oh, I went to college. Because yeah. I went from Milwaukee to Humboldt State. Yeah. Which is a very open, like, loosey-goosey education yes. system. Kind of similar to Evergreen. Evergreen, yeah. Yeah. And um, so... Yeah, I remember going to a, a political science class and the entire 
semester, the the coursework was to read 1984. Mm-hmm. First read it, I think we read it twice. First read it cold, then we talked about it uh, while we read it a second time. Yeah. And then we spent a month doing a final project that he didn't tell us what the project was. He's just like, <laughs> you gotta, I don't even remember what the, what the syllabus said, but it was something very loose. So loose that it seemed like a trick. I was like, how is this... My brain didn't know how to just run wild. And um, it was, I mean, it ended up being really fun. I actually found a piece that I made for that project just yesterday when I was going through uh, an old box of art stuff from over the last 20 years. Cool. But um, it was a picture of Dan Byerly. Do you remember him? I do remember Dan. With a big fake mustache. uh, And it was the (laughs) the poster that's all over the walls in 1984 of of Big Brother. Big Brother. Yeah, it just has Big Brother is watching you. It was Big Dan. I made Dan Big Brother. (laughs) And I put him in my project. Um, but yeah, that structure was was almost unsettling because it was yeah. so new, yes. even though that's how I'm totally wired. Like that's how right. I, if I'm given loose instructions, but like a problem to solve and a, a set of materials, like, I, yes, please. I, yeah. My brain loves those kind of problems. Right. And I think a lot of kids are like that, but they're probably, I can imagine some resistance when they're initially like, Wait, what? Because they're not even turned, their brain's not even turned on. They're like right. just so used to just do it and hand me, yep. you know, you hand me the problems, I do them, blah, blah, blah. The the boring step by step that is so uninspiring. Yeah. Like if, yeah, that's probably a really fun way to do it for the kids that it speaks to. Yeah. And, it, and it's also, I think it's good for the kids that it doesn't really speak to because they are going to be asked in their lives to, you know, even if even in the process of being you know, like having a family and stuff, they're gonna have to solve problems. They'll be and, asked just by life itself. Yeah, like presented with problems all the time. All the time. Creativity is crucial. It is, and it's it's something that's. I know that they're starting to, like STEM became STEAM. I don't know if you, the yeah. acronym. Yeah, that arts the arts are becoming more valued, and I'm very fortunate to be in a state that has a state graduation requirement of an art credit. Skills in art are very, very closely tied with skills in mathematics, specifically music. Like the part of the brain that processes musical ability is directly opposite as the part that processes artistic ability on the other side of your brain. Yes. It's pretty cool. Yeah, And and people who are good at both are really good at either one. Like the synergistic energy, like the way that both those skills play off of each other is really, really powerful. It is. And you feel it. When you're doing, when like you're learning music and you start to realize like, oh, this is just math. This right. is just really pretty math. <laughs> it's, exactly. that's, that's all music is. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. That's like, one thing that I'm glad that I, that was kind of my thing in high school is um, I wasn't really a visual artist. I didn't ever take a visual arts class when I was at Owaco because I was a band kid. And when you come up through the band program, at least back then, it was really difficult to take an art class. Yeah. So. Um, that's why I never took art. I was always in band too. Right. Music I've always band. loved art and I've I've wondered yeah. in my adult life like why did I never I never even felt like I had the option to take an art it class. It was hard. It's and it still is. Mm-hmm. Um because, you know, at Owaco, if you want to take like AP US government, it's offered once. If you're a and, kid with a lot of skills and abil- like a varied yeah. varied uh, interests, you get to pick which thing are you going to be good at? Yep. You're going you to be band or you're going to lift weights. Exactly. Like, oh. Yeah. Oh, Those are boy. kind of, I kind of want to do both. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I have watched kids really like try to diversify what they do at Owaco, but it's hard. It's really hard. Um, and, you know, when band kids 
get to take an art class, they're amazing because I understand them. I understand band kids. Band yeah. kids are weird. Yeah, they are. They're like really weird. One of the weirder groups, but yeah. they're so recognizable. Yes, and just totally. in the sa- in the same way that theater kids are recognizable, and it's not yes. the same group. Nope. Like the choir kids, the band kids, and the theater kids all kind of intermingle. There's some overlap between yes. those groups, but they're distinct. Very. And and I, I love those people. Yeah. I married be, I married a, a lot, theater kid, but they're so. uh, they're very uh, special. <laughs> Yeah. Like they're the ones, they're the movers and the shakers. Indeed. The, the ones who have enough courage to fully be themselves are the ones who end up changing the world. Yeah. Especially in entertainment. Oh, big time. Yeah. I think about, you know, some of the entertainers that I um, really enjoy. I don't know if you know who Julio Torres is. You've, um, there was an HBO show and it's coming back for a second season called Los Spookies. Oh, I haven't seen that. It's so good. And it's half in Spanish half in English, but it's, you know, it has subtitles, but Julio Torres, um, wrote for SNL Saturday Night Live. I'm a huge SNL fan. Me I was, too. I was born like a month, not even like two weeks before the first SNL uh-huh. debuted. And, um, so it's, you know, I've grown up with it. Um, I was born the year the Simpsons came out. That's, oh, I feel dude. like that about the Simpsons. Yeah. The Simpsons. That's another thing for a lot of our generation. It is foundational. Generation X and millennials. And it's I've been, been going. My kids like it too. Mine too. Yeah. I've watched it with Amelia her whole life. It's a cartoon. It's a cartoon <laughs> and it's smart. Yeah. You know, and, and it's sweet sometimes. It's, it's like, it's, it's sentimental and yes. it's, it's a good show. I agree. And also it's uh, written by a time traveler from what I hear. <laughs> Dude, oh, have you seen all the things they predicted? Trump Trump on the escalator. That one was a little creepy. That's a little nuts. Because it's really the exact same. Even like there's a guy holding a sign in the background that was the same. It was like, this is, that was one of the, I I read conspiracy shit all the time. Sure, it's fun. Um, And it, it, it will spark my interest enough to give me a little dopamine squirt yeah. um, to get me through the day. Yes. But it rarely fires up my, like, raises my hackles like, no, dude, like, this is actually really legitimately weird. creepy. Yeah. Uh, it, I couldn't make sense of it. I didn't yeah. know how that was possible. Um, no, that that was kind of terrifying. Yeah. And they're, those are so rare. But The Simpsons has like 20 of them. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I don't know what Matt Groening's got going on, but he's... Time traveler. He's got to be. Yeah. Either that or he, he's some sort of Nostradamus mm-hmm. of our time. Yeah, which is also pretty <laughs> pretty uh, likely. Yeah. Like those people are, I mean, we're all doing that a little bit, creating yeah. a simulation in our head, trying to map out the future to, you know, for self-interest. Yeah. But some people are much, much better at it than others. Yeah. Futurists. The Futurists, Ray, The Ray exactly. Bradbury's, uh, yep. Matt Groening is one of them. Yeah, for sure. That's oh, crazy. Yeah. But yeah, um, God, how did we get on that? Oh, Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Julio Torres. Anyway, he's just this really um, kind of dry comedian that he doesn't really talk about funny things, but he presents things in such an interesting way that it is funny, not for him, but for other people. And I feel like there's a lot of artists that, you know, turn comedians that do that. Um, I think Dimitri Martin okay. was, yeah. yeah, kind of, he did that for a while. I haven't seen much of him lately, D- but. No, he has kind of dropped off. But yeah. also, uh, have you seen Flight of the Concords? Oh my God, I love that That's show. another one that's kind of dry like that. Yes. I'm, I watched the first two seasons of that, uh, the first season especially, over and over and over. It was one of my, one of my like comfort blanket shows. It's such a good um, show. And it is so funny. And I, I like dissected it. It was like, what exactly am I laughing? I, I couldn't just be laughing at their New Zealand accents, but they're just going through normal situations. And yeah. somehow I'm just cracking up. Yeah. And, and Mark Murray, um, Murray was just like. Reese Darby. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> so good. I love him. Oh man. Have um, you seen Our Flag Means Death? No. Okay. It's a series that he is starring in that um, I'm not sure which platform it's on. We don't have cable. So it's like you have to choose. Okay. So what's it on? It's not NBC. It's not ABC. Which it's, streamer? Yeah. Which, yeah. Same like with Hulu. us. Yeah. I never know where. And the algorithms don't send me the stuff I actually like because no. they, they send me just what Melissa will want to watch. <laughs> and uh, I'm good. I'm good with it because that's all I get to watch anyway. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, so I miss a lot of shows that are kind of like quirky, uh, quirky shows. Yeah. Quirky dark comedies is what I generally love. But um, you should talk to my husband. Um, he is. Um, What's incredible about him is I never have to really think about what I want to watch. I'll just say to him what I'm in the mood for, mm-hmm. and he'll find something for me. That's a skill. He's incredible. He is he is an encyclopedia of entertainment. And he always jokes about the fact that, you know, in the apocalypse, he'll be the one that holds all of that knowledge. Of, yeah. of, He's of the, the library of, of Alexandria it. of media. I don't know how he does it. Yeah, I, it's incredible. I think that there's probably more people sitting around every evening uh, spending. I bet we spend more time scrolling through looking for something to watch these days than we do actually watching shows yep. or enjoying them. Like, there's too much. I'm, I, I hate to say this because it's like saying there's too much art. There's almost too much media to consume. It's not it, the we got to figure out a better way to interface with it. Too yeah. much noise, not enough signal. Right. It's it, like right. the algorithm is doing pretty well. TikTok is about the best at, yes. at like giving you thing after thing that after al- thing. I don't know what it is about that algorithm, but man, does it have me pegged. It's almost it's almost concerningly good because it, yes. it could, I could see that really messing with people's heads. Oh, totally. As people who don't have a good sense of their own. Um, vulnerability their uh, own to, identity yeah you know, really they, that somebody who can who's just looking for comfort yeah um, will we'll just get sucked into those dopamine holes and totally live there yeah and then before you know if that ever got ripped away it's just like who am i what am wh- holy shit yeah what have i just been doing for the last 10 years what are my interests yeah. i don't I, someone's i'm not being told what my I'm interests just a, are i'm just a <laughs> conduit for other people's information to pass through right. like at that point you that thought is terrifying to me, like to, to not be somebody who makes things like. Yes. Um, and I don't always make things, but that's why I started this podcast. Yeah, exactly. See, this is the a way creative for... urge. Yes. It's it's strong. Yeah. And it's it's just a, it's a desire to not want to to uh, disappear and never have changed anything. Wasted this opportunity. Right. To, like we're here. We're yes. here. It's now. It's right. We're in it. Like and it's so short. Do something. Yeah. It's like. That's yeah. kind of why I'm running for office is because I can't really change the education system from within it. Yeah. You know, you're a victim of it. I'm a victim of it. Well, you know, you're a slave I, to it at the very least. Yeah, kind of. Because you're, you're working for them. And honestly, you know, a lot of teachers kind of um, antagonize admin or superintendents, blah, 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 which whatever. But it's like, no, but then they're working within the confines of another system and I can't change those systems from within. So, I mean, finding a way to change things is, it's such, it's, it's human. Yeah. It's being born with a, 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 this damn sense of justice. You know, it's, it's part of what I think makes people go into teaching, but also makes them want to, um, point out what's wrong with teaching i was just saying it makes them also want to leave teaching yeah when they're like this isn't right yeah and what stinks is that teaching is one of the highest paying jobs around here yeah 
So it's really hard. And the pick-ins to... are pretty slim. Yeah. Like you work for the government, including teaching and, and right. like every post office, anything that's paid yeah. for by the government. Or you pick oysters or, yeah. or fish or work in hospitality. There's right. not a lot else. Not a lot. No. Or, yeah, I mean, other than, I mean, everyone needs plumbers. But yeah. we could use a few more, really. We need more because we have some retiring. Yeah. And um, that's one thing that high school needs to do a better job of is preparing kids for the trades. Yeah. Um, that is something that I really do feel strongly about as, you know, I am a, a career and tech ed teacher. I'm certified in that as well, but I don't teach those, I don't teach the trades necessarily in, unless you consider like photography or graphic design a trade, which it kind of they is, are, for sure. you know. Especially now. Right, but they're not like represented union kind of jobs and stuff yeah. where kids can go in and get an apprenticeship and then be making more than their teacher within a four or five years, you know. Yeah. But that should be just like heavily advertised. Big time. So many kids that are not meant for a lot of career paths that they're being pushed towards yeah. would benefit so much from that information. And they just don't even know. No, they don't know. It, it's like a foreign world to them. Yeah. Like Job Corps. Yeah. Job Corps is a killer program. Mm -hmm. I mean, you come out of Job Corps depending on because we have like they have certain programs over at Tongue Point. You can go to another one in Idaho that has different programs. They feed you, train you, and by the time you're out, you have a huge certification that... Yeah, it seems like a huge benefit. It is. I remember thinking it was like juvenile hall. Me too. When I grew up, that was it's what like, it ooh, was. That's where they send the bad kids. That's what it was presented like. Yeah. And that really makes me angry. What because, a waste. Yeah, because now that I know about it, I'm like, there's a Job Corps program for graphic design. Oh, wow. I could have saved a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I I don't... Um, Where'd you go to college? I... <laughs> this is kind of funny. Um, I went to several. <laughs> I hopped around a lot. Um, and I, I attribute this to lack of guidance counseling in high school. Oh, God. Big I, time. I know that game. Yeah. Um, I think we've gotten better at it now that we help kids kind of understand where they should start at least. Do you remember but, Miss Miss Kiedi? Yes. Um, she worked there a while, I think. Yeah, she did. I had I she was the nicest lady. Oh, I super had nice. No fucking idea what her job was. No. I knew her. Like yeah. I saw her regularly. Yeah. I had no idea she was supposed to be helping me get to college. Yeah. I know um Sarah Taylor has been she's I mean, granted, she just stepped down from it, but I'm I'm not sure who's doing it next year. Well, I but, imagine that's a shit show. Oh, it's going to be. Yeah. yeah. Um but anyway, I I started out at, I wanted to be a geology major. So I just wanted to get general requirements out of the way. I started out at Clark in Vancouver. Loved it there. The teachers were amazing. Um, they had so many different classes to choose from. But all of my friends had gone to UW. Mm -hmm. And this was back when it was really easy to get into UW because I got in. Yeah, my grades were not great in high school because I had other priorities. I was a band mm -hmm. kid. I liked yearbook and all that stuff. My grades in high school weren't great either. Yeah. College is really when I kicked it into high gear and actually started re when I really tried hard. Me too. For the first time ever. Right, because I was paying for it. Yeah. 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 And no. it's like, you're here. Why not? Exactly. Um, and I found more of my people. Yeah. You know? it was That's a big part of it too. Yeah, huge. And you find safety in that. Yeah. Like just we're just like we we're talking about, oh, you make a safe space by put surrounding yourself with people who you know are safe. Exactly. Yeah. So I spent a year at Clark. Um, I um, got into UW because like I said, a bunch of my friends were there. 
Um, That's always been a, a kind of a clout thing. That's yeah. a, it's a cool school to go to. It is a cool school. It was really neat. And I had some of the best science classes I've ever had there. I had an oceanography class down in the oceanography lab. It was incredible. It's probably one of the best in the country. Oh, my God. It was huge. Yeah. Um, Maybe the world. They have some of the best programs in the world for some stuff. They do. Their, yeah. Their crew program was the best in the world when I was there. Really? Uh, yeah. They were fantastic. Yeah. They won the 36 Olympics with a bunch of sophomores. <laughs> it's a good book. Boys wow. in the Boat. Check it out. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, no, yeah. I know that book. Yeah. That was that was a Huskies. Right on. Mm-hmm. Um, so problem is, though, I spent a quarter there and my smallest class was 300 people. You know, lecture hall. Yes, you got to hang out with the TAs and learn from them and stuff. But I felt I was literally a number. 9527414. I remember that because I had to put it on everything. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's people that really thrive in that environment. But I am a small town kid. I am used to small classes. You know, I did some classes at Clatsop before I graduated just because I wanted to. I did an mm-hmm. English class over there. And I thought, this is what college is like. There's like 10 people in the class, you know, like, sweet, I can do this. Got to UW. It was it was too big. Yeah. And um, I decided that I wanted to go back to Clark. Was it the accountability, lack of accountability in the size of class? That's part of it. Yeah, because I definitely like we talked about the body doubling thing with ADHD that I need some sort of accountability. And when I'm there by myself, um, I need to find a tribe of a tribe of people, and it was really hard to do that. Yeah. So, so I came back to Clark, um, finished out the year there, and then I moved home for a year. I moved here. I lived with my sister. Um, I I hope she forgives me for that, but <laughs> you know, because I was. A lot of people do that that yeah. year. That's a generally an emotional time too. Yeah, it was really emotional, year. and I'd I'd just broken up with someone, and it was of really, course, yeah, of course. That's always part of it. Um, but I went to Clatsop for a year, and I basically was like, okay, you know what, art. I love art. I'm going to give this a try. So I did nothing but art classes at Clatsop that year. I took all the art classes I could. Loved it. I was good at it. And then the artist that he's the late artist, Royal Nebaker, he um, like he was teaching the design course at that time and also a painting course that I took. But he suggested to me, he's like, you might want to think about art school. And until that point, I was like, art school. No one goes to art school. I'd always been told, don't become an artist. You're not going to make any money. And granted, it is hard to make money as an artist. So but you're just flipping through things you've heard people say on TV. Yeah. Instead of having like the guidance of a person in your life telling you exactly. like, no, look, this is the real deal. Yeah, exactly. And so this first, there's the first person who's done that. First person who recognized me, your ability. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of people recognize my ability, but. But then told you what to do with it. But yeah, exactly. Before then, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, what a neat hobby, yeah. you know, kind of thing. Um, but I also have a decent, sharp mind. So I felt like I could go to art school and the art school I chose, I was really glad that I chose it because it was more of a cerebral, like challenge your ideas kind of place. In addition to giving you skills, I went to Pacific Northwest College of Art in Portland, which um, has been in a couple different buildings since I've been there. But it was when I started going there, it was um, in the same building as the Portland Art Museum. Oh, cool. And it was amazing, basically on the campus of PSU. So I was thrown into this environment where I'm like, finally, 
oh my gosh, this is where I need to be. And this is what I need to be doing. And initially I went in as a painting major because, you know, that's just the only thing I knew how to do was paint. But then I started taking other classes and realized um, I had taken a class in photography at Clark. And the only negative experience I had was one of the teachers there who I think has passed away, Roger Baker. um, He told me at the end of the photography class, he's like, I don't think you should go into photography. I don't think you grasp the technical end of it. And that pissed me off. Oh, that must have been a kind of really offensive. Bad. Too. Yeah, very offensive. He was an old guy. Old guy and that's Was he just, trying to help? Like I don't know. I, I never understand how what people mean when they say that kind of thing. Yeah. It's like how is this supposed to be helpful? Right. But you can give me your opinion. Like it was helpful because I have a little bit of an oppositional Oh. Yeah. Issue where I'm like, okay, fine. I'm going to major in photography. And I did. I I actually started taking all the photography courses and it was challenging, but did you get the technical aspects? I did. I bet you focused extra hard on those. I did, man. I can make a black and white print that will make Ansel Adams cry. You know, it's it. I got I got to the point where I was really, really good at it. And I it's also chemistry, really. it's like, chemistry. It's totally chemistry. And it's also just mixing of light mm-hmm. and understanding how light interacts with things. And um, which is physics. Like that's totally that's physics. Some pretty, pretty uh, yeah. advanced science right there. It is. It's the most scientific of all the majors for mm-hmm. sure. Um, so I did that. And I also kind of mixed in some printmaking with it. Like um, I love screen printing and all that stuff. And that's what I ended up doing was photography and printmaking and um, graduated in 2000 from there thinking, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm going to be an artist. Um, I was working for a graphics place at the time where I, I was fortunate to work there because it gave me a lot of computer experience and stuff. Um, and it's, it actually led to my teaching assignment in CTE where I, I used those hours that I worked in graphics. But I just wasn't happy it wasn't something that was, oh man, this is going to sound so privilegy, but it wasn't feeding my soul, you yeah. know? So what if you have privilege enough to, to yeah. get to pursue your soul being fed? Exactly. Boo-hoo. I know. I know. There's right? a lot of suffering people in the world that, but not all of them are going to hold that against you. I hope not. <laughs> because it was really, I mean, I loved that job, but I didn't like doing other people's work. Like mm-hmm. I didn't... um you're a free thinker. I'm a free thinker. And I'm also somebody who gets mad at people for making bad decisions. Mm-hmm. So when like we would have three versions of a logo for somebody to choose from to put. Yeah. And they would always choose the worst one. Oh, always. so you were like a Don Draper. Kind of. Yeah. Like you're like, no, it's, this is the one. Yeah. Like you don't know what you're talking about. I'm the professional. Right. Yeah. Oh man, if I could be a, a Don Draper, that'd be, or what was uh, Elizabeth Moss's? Oh yeah. Peggy. Character? Peggy. Thank she you. was really the best character in the, the show. She was the brains. Yeah. yeah. No. Don Draper was really the villain. He was kind he of. He was. He was the hero and the villain. Yeah. Yeah. And how he it was just. was a great show. He. Oh my God. So good. And how he just kind of booked it out, booked out at the end mm-hmm. and to, you know, doing yoga by the ocean. Yeah. Anyway. Great show. It, it yeah. really was. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, sorry so I derailed anyway, No, you. that's okay. No, I trust me. I communicate. So like my little brother and I, we communicate in movie lines. Uh-huh. And, you know, sometimes. I do that too. I love that. Yeah. That's art, like my whole teens. Yeah. Seriously. Art is, um, 
even just movie references, TV references, they help give context. Mm -hmm. So I am not above that whatsoever. Um, so worked in that situation for a while, got married, my first husband. Um, and I was like, this just isn't working. Um, so I was fortunate to get an internship, a paid internship, which those are few and far between. Those nowadays. are the good ones. Yeah. With the city of Vancouver, where um, they have a place down by the water called the Water Resources Education Center. And it's essentially this little... I've or, seen that place. It's incredible. It's right by their um, water reclamation facility, which is incredible. Um, I didn't know the air scrubbers were a thing. In yeah, that's life. pretty cool. I worked there. So I worked there in the education department. And what I got to do was um, host field trips for local schools, bringing their kids there. That's why I know that place. I went on a field trip there with my daughter and her class. Oh like, my like gosh. three years ago. Oh, one of those interns that gave you the little, like did she do the, um, did they have the salmon life cycle thing? They made or, slime or the... uh, at one station. Oh. This is at the height of the YouTube slime. Yeah, era. Like, oh, really, slime. It was a big so deal. so hot for a while. <laughs> it really was. Everyone has fit, spidget finners or yeah. fidget spinners. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. yeah um, I'm trying to think of any other references I could use here, but I'll just move on. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it was a great. It was really a fun field trip. I don't remember the the most most of it. It was it's all kind of a blur no. now, but uh, it was really fun. I remember thinking this is a cool place. It was amazing, and I got to work under some really great environmental educators, um, who are not only gifted scientists, but they're also gifted teachers. So they that's a rare combo. It is a rare combo. They were incredible. Um, Bev Walker and Corey Samia. They were like mentors like all the way and they were tough they were tough on us um there were like three of us three interns so we would teach classes uh, our little field trips on um wetlands like we had a whole thing where we took them out in the wetlands out front there which are just beautiful um you know we had the water cycle for the littles like mm -hmm. the kindergartners would come and do we would do the water cycle with them and then my favorite was most of the fourth graders would come in for the salmon life cycle Oh, cool. And so we would run through this this whole thing of having them be the eggs and start out and, you know, hatch into Alvin. And then, you know, what would happen to them? Oh, no, mud just fell on you and you're smothered. You know, and then they'd go to the next thing where maybe a bear would, would dip in and eat the fingerlings that were anyway. Um, just to kind of show how hard it is and how, yeah. how few make it back. Yes. And how it's important to protect their habitat. Um and through the process of doing that, I realized, holy crap, teaching's really fun. And at that point, I didn't know if I wanted to do middle school or high school. I was, you know, kind of going between the two because um, I'd worked with some sixth graders, too. And I actually really like sixth graders. They're That's nuts. a good age. They're nuts. Yeah. And they're still fun. And, like They're still young they still and have into a little, things. A little bit of innocence left. Yeah, a little bit of innocence. Not much. But also just incredible sense of humor. Yeah. And that's what's huge for me is if you can laugh with a group of kids, that's the best feeling in the world. For them, too. Yeah, exactly. So at that point, I was like, okay, cool. I think I want to be a teacher. So I started looking around for programs that would, because um, I had an art degree. So I wanted, of course, go into art teaching. Um, but I also had enough English credits that I could get a supporting endorsement. So I had to find a program that would allow me to do those things. And the closest one was University of Puget Sound, Tacoma. Good school. Man, I loved it there. Um, I didn't realize how cool Tacoma was. 
Um, yeah, there are parts you don't go to. Oh, yeah. But there are parts of every city you don't go to. The good ones. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The ones with the culture. Mm-hmm. The ones that are fun. They have districts, zones. Right. The poor people have to buy drugs somewhere. Exactly. That, that you don't want them in your fancy places. <laughs> Up on Ruston Way in Tacoma. Yeah. Um, but... I, it was a great program. It was a 15 month intensive master's degree program. Um, I didn't work during the time and I'm always grateful to my ex-husband, Rick, that he supported me through that. Way Um, to go, Rick. Yeah, no, he did a good job. Um, no, no ill will there. Um, and no, I imagine you guys have a good relationship. You got a, you're co-parenting, right? We're co-parenting and, um, we both bring like unique gifts to it and it's it's really cool it's you know it's hard at first but once you fall into a rhythm with things um like i have some friends that are going through um a separation right now with a young kid and it's yeah it's really hard it's It's really never going to be easy it's never going to be easy but once you get to the point where everybody kind of knows what's going to happen it's so much easier it's kind of weird when it finally starts to feel okay, huh? It's like, yeah. oh, this is actually going to yeah. be all right. Exactly. Like, this is going to be okay. My kids have two incredible step parents that bring their own unique gifts and experiences. And I think the myth of the evil step parent that has been perpetuated by Disney forever yes. is, has probably made for a lot of really tough uh family situations where the kids are just automatically like fuck this new parent i don't need i have one of these already right i don't need a replacement evil stepmother or stepfather and um it's not real it's i mean there's a lot of good ones a lot of good ones yeah i agree yeah it's always going to be hard but it's never it i never at any point go that we say that we made the wrong decision Mm -hmm. yeah so anyway um did my program at university puget sound and was certified to teach, got my first job in Vancouver, teaching at Evergreen High School. Huge. At that time, um, Union High School hadn't been built. It's a really big district. Now they have four high schools. They had three at the time. Union, so, Evergreen, Columbia River, and... No, that's Vancouver. Oh, Columbia River's in Vancouver. It's, um, oh, I thought you said Vancouver. Oh, sorry. Evergreen School District. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. There's gotcha. two school districts in Vancouver, one on the east side. I was on the east side. You know. Is that the good side? I don't think either is good or bad. Um, I Vancouver's pretty consistent. Like it doesn't have yeah. the, the socioeconomic pockets like Portland does. Not so much. It's yeah. a bedroom community mm-hmm. now. I think a lot. It it still has a pretty cool downtown area that's become pretty gentrified though. And you know, as as somebody who lived there in the '90s, you know, I can say that. But <laughs> have you been to Portland lately? It's yeah. crazy how bad it's gotten. It's, it, it's It's been ungentrified. Yeah. It's pretty bad. And, you know, that's the danger in it, mm-hmm. you know, is you can't go too far. You can't go too far without hurting the people that that need a place, just a place to live. It's, oh. That's a, that's a thing. Yeah. So to go back into the politics, <laughs> how do you balance, because I would assume that you're a liberal. Pretty liberal. Based on knowing you. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> The nose ring helps, you know. <laughs> the liberal the liberal left has been portrayed in the last couple of years 
as just being this extremist, like the Antifa people and yeah. all these that just have, have gotten almost to a point to where like violence is acceptable as a way to solve problems right. and just things that are not traditional liberal views. No. Do you think that we need to kind of pull it a little bit back towards the center? Um, mm-hmm. Not to not to try to say that the Republicans have it right either. Right. Um, but both both the Proud Boys and Antifa, maybe we get rid of both yeah. of the those extremes and maybe try to focus a little bit towards the middle. Is Do you have any in, inclination that that is the way to go? Or what, where do you stand on that spectrum? Um, number one, white supremacy is a problem. <laughs> we have elected officials, even within our own state, that are active in those groups. And we have others that are trying to get elected. Um, That's kind of scary. It is scary. Who? Um, <laughs> Just so I don't vote for him. <laughs> well, I mean, my opponent belongs to some pretty inflammatory Facebook groups. Really? And yeah, I, there's an article I can send you anyway. Yeah, I'll put a and, link. And I've tried, I really want to try not to run a smear campaign. because I admire that. Um, I don't think it helps anybody. And honestly, I don't think it really gets you any votes. Because the people no. who you're talking to are already voting for you. And yeah. one thing I have done in the last few years is I've matured. And I know it's funny to say that I'm a 46-year-old woman that in the last few years I've matured, right? You can keep doing it forever. It sounds ridiculous, but I have always been a bleeding heart liberal. And I still, in my heart, my heart still bleeds, you know? I am somebody who feels like people need help. And there is... you. The problem with like charitable work and stuff is that people get to then choose who they help. Yeah. And that's problematic. So government's role should be stepping in and helping everyone, the most amount of people. That logic makes sense to me. Right. But yeah, because you, yeah, well, a lot of people too, when you get enough money, you use it to stop the bleeding, kind right. of soak up some of that blood. Yep. Um, and then you help your friends. Right. You don't always help the people who Mm-mm. need it the most. No, or the people who look like the kind of people you want to help or the people that believe the same things that you do. And, and, it and might, you might not be making those choices based on the way they look, but it, no. just because of the circumstances that those aren't your friends. No. You're, not, you're not hanging out with those people. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that the role of government has been like, it's been vilified in a way by, um, you know, the right wing. Also, it's, but the it's left wing kind of corrupted in a lot of ways. Oh my god! And it can be much better. Oh, like, it could, so it, we don't need to throw out the baby with the bathwater. No, Citizens United was the I think one of the the pivotal moments where things really changed in this so country. Citizens United is that LLCs? Yeah, that's the um, the ability to form a super PAC. Oh, and super to, PACs. Yeah, like okay, corporate PACs. corporate money in politics essentially yeah. is what it leads to. It's capitalism. Okay getting the chance to have a say was that in, in the 2000s yeah. early 2000s or late 90s late 90s i think and then and more recently they've removed all restrictions on campaign donations yeah. so you can you can donate as much as you want super PACs. yeah yeah um so the problem that we have is corporate influence in elections because where's the money it's in those huge corporations that have the ability to then influence who gets all the money and who is able to then reach the most voters. It's it's incredibly bad. <laughs> Are you worried, though, that if you make that your platform, that they will kill you? Yeah, a little bit. Um, <laughs> you should be. That scares is, me a little bit. It scares me a little bit, too. Um, although I have great neighbors 
who will never let anything happen to me. Um, you know, I also know how to shoot a gun. My so question is I'm, why you know <laughs> why why don't more people have this idea? It's so obvious that this people is do. our main problem. People I know. Do, but it never gets through. No, it never becomes the platform that people are going on. Both sides of the aisle are benefiting from that. Yeah. The the, the, the most Democrats powerful people benefit the most. Are benefiting just as much as the Republicans are. And the only reason why I declare myself a Democrat is because that then comes with endorsements from Democratic groups. You know, while a so lot... So you're not going to get that ARA, NRA money? I'm not going to get the NRA money, even though... Bad, bad deal there. Even though I don't want to take anybody's guns. Yeah. I'm, I, a, I'm a gun-toting liberal. Right. Yes, exactly. I mean, yeah. out here, especially... It's a, it's a moderate position. I'm trying to change what the idea of a rural... Democrat looks like, mm -hmm. um, you know, or the a, rural, best. a rural person. We're the best. We the, are the, rural, the best. The rural moderates are like, oh, my gosh, I, I'm a Democrat, but I, I you vote Democrat, uh, yeah. you know, but you don't have to necessarily say I'm a Democrat. I mean, I am a Democrat in that, you know, my grandpa was, you know, I was raised a Democrat and that's just kind of, that was almost a cultural thing. Yeah. And most people stick with the party they were born into. Yes. Like, I think it's like 75%. It's crazy. It's very yeah. high. Sorry. Oh, that's fine. Um, so I see the, the process of maturing over the last few years and learning to, because the Trump election where he won 2016, that was such a knock to the head. That was great. That was so crazy. It was incredibly crazy. I I still remember the day after it was announced that he won. I was thinking, how did this happen? How Me the too. f did this happen? I kind of I kind of got a little bit of of joy out of the everyone's surprise and shock. Yes, that part. I just the the. The absurdist in me, I, I I thought that was funny. Yes. The, oh no, th th that that's meme the thing. of the of the lady crying, uh, like that <laughs> that one tickled my funny bone a little bit. Yes. And it's not because I I wasn't happy. I was no. I was upset too. I did not want this to happen. But I I also didn't think Hillary was really all that much better or at all no, better. No, I won't even talk about the super delegates and mm -hmm. how Bernie lost. Uh, I can. Oh, poor Bernie. I caucused for Bernie. Really. I caucused for Bernie that year, and yeah. um and. I wasn't chosen as a state delegate. I went to the county um, mm -hmm. caucus, but I and I, I heard him speak when he came to Vancouver. I really believed in him. He was and genuine. He was genuine, and he want what he wants to do is help people. Yeah, which is what people in polit in government should. And he want didn't to pander. Do. He wasn't consistently no. just changing his views depending nope. on what was culturally acceptable. You know exactly what Bernie feels. Yeah, always. Well, like just. Uh, uh, Hillary's views changing on the gay rights, gay marriage, that kind of stuff, that was like the clearest indicator to me, yep. period, that like, oh, this lady is kind of just full of shit. And she was also a professional politician. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, and she didn't. That was actually what I liked about her. I was like, at right. least she'll she'll carry it forward to the status quo. Right. Things won't just fall apart. I thought right. things were going to fall apart with Trump in, in, a, in a way they did. They kind of did. But in other, other ways, they no, they really did. Because yeah. I was going to say. Culturally, they fell apart. We literally fell apart politically. We did. And um, but then, like economically, at the time, it didn't feel like we fell apart because everyone made so much money. Uh, but then it now it's kind of all unraveling. It's it, unraveling. It, it was a house Big of time. cards. Yeah. And it's it COVID fucked it up. Yes. It, things have gotten real bad. Big time. And it seems like it's going to be worse. I you know, 
one thing I've always tried to do as just a human being is hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. And right now it's really hard to prepare for the worst because we don't even know. It's like we talked about the the news cycle that, you know, if Bigfoot were to be discovered, it would be, you know, third story down, yeah. honestly. Um, if Christ came back tomorrow, <laughs> nobody would believe it. Nobody believe it. And he'd probably be like, uh, you all done screwed up. I'm out. S- some group would kill him again. Probably. <laughs> like, before yeah. too long. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, people would forget about it. Nobody would give a shit. It, no. They'd go on with their life. It yeah. was just like, nothing is catching people's global attention anymore. Nope. And it's, it's we're so callous. Yeah. Like we're callous. Desensitized. Over, desensitized. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, and that's I guess okay. I think we change up though. I don't think yeah. we go back. I think we go We can't go back to something different. I don't want to go back. I don't either. I don't want to go back at all. I'm always I've always kind of been a fan of change. Me too. Um, it keeps things interesting in my boring vanilla life. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it gives you something to react to and Changes are where art comes, you know, to call. And from the ashes, the phoenix will rise. No kidding. Yeah. So I'm kind of tired of walking through the ashes, though, you know? Yeah. Come on, phoenix. Yeah. Where the hell's that Get phoenix? Get with it. Yeah. Um, so I think it takes a long time, but it I does. do, I do think that it's inevitable. It's just like the systems that are in place that we exist in, they're cyclical and, yeah. and things fall apart and they regrow and, pendulum it just swings yep exactly so i'm hoping to be on the upswing of the pendulum you know it's i think you have to because it yeah how could this not be rock bottom (laughs) like seriously well every time we think it's rock bottom it becomes more rock bottom er yes (laughs) you know but there's got to be an ultimate rock bottom yeah like as a culture and we'll i I think we've hit it i really do i feel like there has been more positive momentum recently then again we're just getting ready to start another presidential election cycle so who knows things are probably going to get real tense again real soon exhausting to think about yeah i mean buckle up you're getting right in it seriously and i want to be right in it that's the thing is i've always i've always been somebody who wants to affect change who wants to know what's going on and not necessarily like I've not been a fan of like teacher gossip and stuff, but when it comes to the way things run, I'm always interested. I always want to be involved, you know, school improvement teams and stuff um, because things deserve to be fixed. You care about the stuff that actually matters. I do. I try to. And, um, and I think this is the best way to do it. And I don't know if this is going to result in a lot in the rest of my life being dedicated to politics necessarily but it's to get cheesy again it feels like a calling right now even more so since roe v wade was overturned um because they're starting to tell us that well okay now that this is kicked down to states state legislatures are more important than ever oh yeah and so i'm like oh boy okay no pressure and this is just the beginning right i'm Fairly certain that the religious right has uh, mounted quite a forceful attack they on our on our system. They have a ton of money. They don't have to pay And they taxes. have a ton of people in, in very high positions of power now. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And it's it's scary. And you know what? Christian, do it. Be it. Yeah. Walk it. 
Yeah, you know? sure. Cool. Go it's, for it. Do the do the good stuff. Yeah. Don't... I grew up Lutheran. I was the one kid in my family that that wanted to walk up to Sunday school every every Sunday because I I like the stories. I mm-hmm. wanted to hear the stories. The crafts. Church can be great. The snacks were awesome. The snacks are why I was. They there. were the best. Yeah. Um, Even communion, I, I consider that a snack. Oh yeah, totally. Those little wafers. Yeah. 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 Although at um, Chinook Lutheran, when I was going there, the, uh, lady, ladies would take um, turns actually baking a loaf of bread. I went to a we church where they share. did that once. It yeah, was great. It was they just awesome. handed the, the loaf of bread around and you just tear off a chunk and yep. they pass it on. I, it was, I was awesome. pretty cool. And it was usually like a like a, a Finnish like rye bread Ooh, kind of oh, nice. so good. The Lutherans, they know, except Ludafisk, they really do know how to eat. I haven't know? had Ludafisk, but Don't. I feel like I would like it. I like fermented foods. Mm-hmm. I like foods with a little bit of stank on it. It's got the stank, but it's just, it's the texture for me. Oh, I'm, texture is everything. It's a jello. It's oh, like then fish hell jello. No. no. Hell no. I tried it once at the church and I I think it was my godmother trying to like play a joke. Yeah. You know, so she's gonna hate this kind of thing. But I anyway. like pickled fish, like pickled salmon. Me too. Really good. Oh, pickled salmon. Yeah. The but, guy who works with my dad, Bernie Wilson, he makes some amazing pickled salmon. I probably had his pickled You probably salmon. have. I'm yeah. sure he's probably given some to to your stepdad or mm-hmm. uh, dad in law. Sorry. Yep, I I'm pretty sure I have had this. Yeah. It's probably very good. I, I've amazing. never had bad pickled salmon, actually. I've only yeah. had good stuff. It's good stuff, yeah. Well, we've been in here a while. I, I'm going to let you go. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for coming. I just want to say you. I really appreciate somebody is actually doing something. Like, you you recognize a place where you could extend and help and so. like give some of your value and you're actually doing it that's such a hard thing to do it's so easy to just sit around and criticize or sit around and think about all the things that you'd like to do but right. if you weren't so busy but you're actually doing it so i commend you i uh, i really True. admire what you're doing and whether whether you win the seat or not like y- you can't really lose because it no. like you're doing something completely different you're shaking it up in your own life and it's going to reach out and affect other people it, you're setting such a great example for your children and so. for other kids who you've taught and who are are watching it's just it's very cool kelly i'm i'm proud of you and mm-hmm. i I'm, i really want to help you Thank you. I really appreciate that. If people want to help out, they can go to my website. It's runkellyrun.com. It's Kelly with an I because I'm a Gen Xer and we all had eyes at the end of our names. So, yeah. Um, my aunt had, there was a racehorse that when I was a kid called Run Kelly Run that my aunt had wished that she had bet on because it won. Mm. Um, so I took that and I made that my kind of campaign thing. That's a perfect name. It's perfect. That's powerful. It's got a story and everything. Yep. Thank you, everybody, so much for tuning in. I'll talk to you next time. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Ramble by the River. If you did, it really helps us out if you leave us a rating or a review. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And if you want to get more involved and support the show, you can subscribe to our Patreon page for exclusive content, bonus episodes, and a Ramble by the River t-shirt with every Royal Rambler subscription after three months. Instructions for how to join are at ramblebytheriver.com. Click the subscribe link, and it's easy peasy lemon squeezy. Thanks again for listening. Come back next week. Bye. Can't nobody take me here and now. It's my time to run it out. It's my time. It's my time to run. Hey